Hello, beautiful people. It is Monday, August 1st, my wife and I's anniversary, and also a massive day in sports history. This show begins now. Here we go. Oh, Adam, Adam, baby. Oh, I nailed it. Uh, obviously, there was no chance I was going to sound good. We'll get through it. Here we go. Out of babies. Today's show is going to be a good time because although there was a suspension rained down from the Honorable Judge Sue Robinson on Deshaun Watson, we will break down that and more with the man that broke the news. Ian Rappaport will join us in about 12 minutes. He told me earlier in a text he's been up since 3 a.m. today. Jeez. Wow. 3 a.m. today. I'm like, all right, did you know that because, or did you do that because you knew that the ruling was coming at some point today? And at what point did you think to yourself, oh, probably could have slept another hour, probably another two hours. Mm -hmm. He was on call basically waiting for this, as was the entire NFL. What does this mean for every other team in the AFC North? What does this mean for precedent going forward? And what does this mean about everybody that is certainly pissed off that it was only six games? As soon as the punishment was announced, only six started to trend, like number two in the United States. I assume it's going to be trending all day because pundits and people alike who are fans of every team, including the Cleveland Browns, are wondering how six games was the only number that came to Judge Shu Robinson's mind. The Will the full report be released? We shall see. Now, he did not get charged criminally twice in Texas. He got a six-game suspension, which is obviously less than Calvin Ridley and other suspensions that have taken place. So people are up in arms about it all. I don't know if there was ever going to be a right answer, but I will say this particular show thought it was going to be a season oh yeah we're obviously way off what does this mean we shall chit chat about all day today ian rapport will join us in the first hour uh chuck pagano the go. people's coach oh yeah will be joining us in the second hour Woo. he coach obviously jacoby Brissett it with the indianapolis colts jacoby now the starter for the browns for the first six games of cleveland which i guess isn't that Strong of a schedule. Seventh game, got the Ravens in Baltimore. And I guess that will be the 10th anniversary of the Super Bowl team celebration that night as well. So it should be electrifying in Baltimore, which, by the way, why be less when you could be more? That stadium is always fucking rowdy. I couldn't imagine what they will say. The signs that will be there. I mean, Baltimore is a, you know, much like Pittsburgh where we're from. Much like Boston, where you're from, much like other cities that have, uh, you know, some fans that are a little bit, Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. there's others. Baltimore never gets put into that category for some reason. Their fans, just as savage as everywhere else. I'm expecting week seven to have some fireworks, both in the crowd and on the field. Talk to Chuck about that. And then general manager of the Houston Texans, Nick Casario. Wow. A lot of Italians here. We got Pagano, Casario, one half of the hammer, Cowboys, Anthony DeJulia over there. How was your weekend, pal? Great weekend. Actually, coach, DeJulia was in Don, so it was a good weekend. Yeah, he says he's loving India. I seen him take a picture of some Italian food and uh, even put a little, I think he put the emoji of the Italian flag on. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a lot of it's flying around Indianapolis. Seems like you guys kind of all found each other there. Every uh, time he texts or tweets or posts anything, he will always do the bicep with the Italian flag next to it. <laughs> it's, a sign, it's a signature sign. off. Just in case you are wondering <laughs> what these words are coming from. Mm-hmm. A yoked up Paisan. <laughs> right. uh, and then the talks the tables here at Ty Schmidt. Great to see you. And at Boston Connor, who's safety first. Oh, yeah. Always, you know, Pat, you know, sports gambling is legal in Massachusetts now. So Whoa! Like, oh, in the game. You know, yeah. Back in the game, I thought I warned the people, hey, don't just go in with a helmet on. You got to go in 
with the helmet condom on as well. You know, responsible gambling, it's a real problem. And if we know anything about Massachusetts, they push the limit. And that's why there's no longer a happy hour because people love to just drink a little too much, jump behind the wheel. And I assume now with FanDuel and sports gambling being legal, some people might try and push the limit. So I'm here to tell you, don't do that. Put the guardian cap on. Put the guardian cap on. Let's not be reckless. Yes, let's not be reckless. And I have to take this off before all my teeth kind of crush and I just spit them out during the entire show. Thanks for being safe. Yeah, Thanks for being safe. Man. Yep. Thank you so much. Is the helmet tight because the Guardian cap's on it? Uh, no, I think the helmet's tight because uh, I gained, I don't know, 50 pounds in the last <laughs> month or no, two. No, stop. You look good. I got a little bigger. No, we're... Hey. Starts tomorrow. Diet starts tomorrow. Football's around the corner. You You're know, right. It's getting shape. You're uh, right. Pads are coming on this week. You're right. You know, we have to be in tip-top performance. Uh, the boys behind the um, glass, appreciate you, Nick Morado at Viva Lazito. And looky, 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 who's back on the onesie twosies? Who's that? Oh, Evan Foxy. Hey. 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 Man, Woo. I miss you guys, and I'm so thankful to be back in this seat. We missed you too, Bob. Mitt did an incredible job. Yeah, Thank you, Mitt. There you go, Mitt. Mick got, got thrown in the fire, as did Zeta. Everybody mm. did it. Foxy, it's great to have you back. Dirty chilling back there. Dirty actually was in the movie. Uh, you know in the movies, when you see somebody walking down the street, and then a bus drives by, <laughs> and then a puddle just blow. That's Dirty was this morning. So he walked mm. in here drenched. Good to see you. Nice, fresh boy. Dirty. Dirty dry, Dirty. We appreciate you so much. Uh, I had a hilarious weekend. Um, thank you for asking. Happy anniversary to my wife, by the way. Hey, two years here. Hey, happy anniversary. anniversary. Happy anniversary. That's a lot of fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. of course. Two yeah. years of, you know, saying, waking up. You're my wife. I love you. Yeah. You're my husband. I love you. And there's some days, you know, in marriage where I assume both parties wake up and something happens and you go, huh, I hate this person. Uh -huh. And we haven't had a lot of those situations. I assume much more on her side than on mine where <laughs> she is saying that about me. I'm not an easy person to be around all the time. I am literally like this all the time. So you can see how that would be annoying. I've been with me for 30 some years now. It's not great. She has been one of the only constants in my life ever uh, that I feel like has, you know, I don't want to say like, what's that when you like uh, just basically stand somebody like um, tolerate tolerate yeah. yeah oh there it is she has tolerated me for all that I am uh, my ADDs my energies my drive my uh, think like hey I gotta go do this I gotta go do this now also my lack of emotion like hey not really negative don't really want to get into it I am so sorry I know that's a part of real life feelings I didn't watch any Disney movies growing up mm -hmm. so I apologize I did not really mm -hmm. develop those things sure. but with that being said too blinders on let's just think about the positive stuff mm -hmm. and just keep it going which isn't always easy so I'm very thankful for Samantha uh, I'm very pumped to celebrate today after the show and uh, here's to more uh, Samantha, happy anniversary. Love you, lady. Yeah. Yeah, cheers, cheers. Well, happy anniversary, happy. Guys. Hey, hey, hey. Right. Way to go. Hey, here we go. August, her, her birthday last week, mm -hmm. anniversary this week. Yeah. Big celebrations. Yeah. Pretty sweet. It's been great. Yeah. And your costume changed forever, too, with the ring. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a whole new look here. This is the, um, um, what's Never. it? Oh, new, Nouveau? It's not latex. It's a... Uh, Rubber? Rubber, uh, silicone, 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 oh. silicone. There's, it's a silicone ring, you know. Mm -hmm. I have one of those real ones, but it fucks up my entire, uh, yeah. Do you have the my real? fingers don't, uh, like it. Do you sure. have the real one on when you smack Corbin in the face? No, I didn't. Good call. I didn't have the pinky ring on either because yeah. WrestleMania match Soft. I learned big time right. Pinky ring comes flying mm -hmm. out. There. Can't do that. No, I did do the Swanton Bomb Beanie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I will say I did not expect the ring posts to look the way they looked <laughs> sure. while I was climbing up there. Uh, it was hey, there were some moments in that match that were really like, oh, should have prepared differently. Should have prepared differently. For instance, just walking into the stadium, uh, and I took a nice shit. I took a nice deep breath. I took a nice deep breath of that humid air, mm -hmm. and it was thick. Ooh. It was sauna thick down there because it was supposed to rain. Like projections of the weather for like. Two weeks to a week out, even the morning of, are like, yeah, rain's coming. And whenever it's hot and rain's coming, that means it's humid uh, oh, as yeah. fuck. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even think about that as I was training in my basement in air conditioning. You know, so that immediately hit me day of. I'm walking in and, oh, no, this is not in an arena. Shit. Or this is not in yeah. an enclosed area. Yeah. This is going to be hot as fuck mm -hmm. out here. And as I'm walking around, I start sweating. I'm like, oh, I haven't even done anything. <laughs> and I am drenched. So started to hydrate earlier. Uh, you know, started to hammer some waters and Gatorades. Definitely thought, though, should have trained differently for this one. Well, should have went outside a little bit. Uh, we'll learn for later. A little bush league on my part, not to think about it being outside. Uh, follow up. A lot of my offense off the ropes and with the ropes. Ropes were wet, obviously. Yeah, a little slick. It was a little slick, humid. And the shoes I was wearing, uh, I had not worn them on ropes. Oh. Okay, so there was a lot of things that as they were happening, I was thinking to myself, fucking idiot, Bushley. <laughs> you are so dumb. Because I go up for that uh, the base jump to catch fucking bum-ass Corbin yeah. off guard. Yep. I have to. And I felt real good about that. Like, I, as I was flying through the air, and then left foot on first, I felt like I had nothing under me. And I'm, oh, ho, mm -hmm. oh, ho, oh, ho. Luckily, grab onto him like I'm a goddamn uh, koala bear. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Hang on to him, bruise up the shins on the ropes. I mean, that, that as it was happening, you know, they say you have so much adrenaline you don't feel anything out there. That's a lie. As my shins were bouncing off that rope, like, oh my God, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, it's going to hurt so bad. Uh, so, Superplex happens, obviously. I thought it was over there. Mm -hmm. So did I. Then he runs his dumb ass into the post, yeah. goes outside. I'm like, wait a minute. Climb. Wait a minute. I can fucking go. And that was as I was climbing up there. I did not expect those ring posts to be there. But I'm already halfway up. 48,000 people in Nissan Stadium that were absolutely fucking electrifying. I appreciate them so much, including the Music City Chorus, which has been a choir in Nashville since 1948. An ever-evolving group of men who sing very well together, always doing performances, always doing shows. Obviously, their biggest performance yet, singing, Bomb! I appreciate them. They were in there. The place was electrifying, and they were yelling for. And as I'm climbing up there, I'm like, "Oh no!" Foot slipping a little bit on that second rope. All right, uh -oh. this shouldn't be a problem. Then I get up on that third rope, and I'm like, "Oh no!" I should have. <laughs> I should have done a little bit more work, maybe in these shoes on top of that thing. And I think I was too Italian. I went too hard with mm -hmm. the, hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Keep it moving. And it all, it threw me off. I felt the gravy of the humidity <laughs> yeah. running me down. And then once I caught just one little brief second, it was whoo, out of nowhere on Corbin. Felt Hit that thing perfect. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hit that thing exactly how I wanted to hit it. Felt good about it. Uh, a lot of Some people were tweeting me, giving me way too much uh, credit. Did you see him? Make it appear as if he was off balance so he would keep us all at the edge of our seat. Like, that is what it's all about. <laughs> That's right. I want to let you know that was not the case. <laughs> what? If you could have heard what was going on in between my ears when I was up there, oh, no. Immediate regret is the sound of what was talking in my brain. Uh, happy the body was able to figure it out. How, if you see, actually, left foot rebalances on the rope a little bit further down. 
that could have been catastrophic. Oh. If there was any on that one, I mean, you're talking full yep. split. I'm not yeah. flexible enough. I'm down. So I'm very thankful for the ropes making it happen up there. Uh, Charles Robinson, I got a chance to obviously work with him being the official. I've been watching him since I was a kid on WCW. It was awesome being in there. He accidentally gets bumped from big, dumb, bum-ass Corbin. Oh, yeah, I see him down. I apologize for this. I'm going to take advantage, especially after what that scumbag yep. did to me on Friday. That's right. I kick him so hard in his sack, it felt so good. Mm -hmm. He drops to his knees, but him code red on the end. Not a destroyer, by the way. A lot of people were saying that was a destroyer. Not a destroyer. That was a code red. Had I ever done it before to anybody? Nope. But it felt like it was the right time, <laughs> yeah. and that was the right place. Uh, it wasn't the cleanest match I've ever had. I certainly wasn't prepared for the humidity, as sure. I should have been. Um, but I'm pumped to get out of there with a dub. And Bumass Corbin and I talked about that 13 years ago. You know, oh, yeah. it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was, uh, although he's still, let's. Yeah. He's gone back. Yeah. He's gone back. He yeah. We haven't talked since the match, so I have no idea, you know, what our next encounter is going to be. I'm a bygones be bygones guy. We fought. We can move on. Yeah. That's not, I don't know how he is, you know, especially with what he's become with WWE. Uh, but certainly a couple moments in there while uh, I'm looking around thinking to myself, this is fucking hysterical. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, we, the locker room I was in. Uh, the male locker room was the visitor's locker room that I'd been in numerous times before. Sure. The dry erase board that we used was in there at the same spot. Showers, same spot. Came out of the visitor's tunnel when we walked out. So literally, it was a very surreal evening. And I'm very thankful to everybody that made that happen, uh, which is... You know, obviously people at WWE, but also the fucking fans. You guys are the coolest people of all time. How loud it was, how electrifying it was, where we were in the evening with how hot it was out there. The fans brought the energy, woke me up, made me feel good. I appreciate the fucking hell out of all of you. And uh, it's nice to be undefeated in sanction matches. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Body feels good. Mm -hmm. Body doesn't feel that bad. Uh, I have a little bruise. Oh, yeah. This one? Maybe. No, maybe. Oh, cut right there. there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is from the clothesline over the top sure. on him, I think. Yep. I have another one on my neck. Uh, Jimmy Uso uh, gave me his, the chain to wear because I didn't have a chain. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think his chain hit me. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it. It was a magical night, magical evening. Um, now we focus on what's next, where we're going okay. next, and also maybe training in the humidity and oh, remembering nice. that there is a summer in SummerSlam. <laughs> True. That's True. a pretty big part. Yeah. Let's get back to some NFL football before we chat about that more with A.J. Hawk in the next hour. Joining us now, the man that broke the news this morning of the six-game suspension that led to only six trending around basically every single internet platform because nobody expected it to be that amount of games. Everybody thought it was going to be more. The NFL is pushing for indefinite. Deshaun and his people are pushing for none. They land on six with the Honorable Judge Sue Robinson. The NFL now has three days to file an appeal. Will they? We shall see. Joining us now, Senior NFL Insider for the NFL Network and the league itself, host of the weekly wrap-up with Rap Sheet and Friends, us being the friends, he being Rap Sheet. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Rappaport. Hey! What's up, What's up? Doug? How you doing? Uh, congratulations. That's Th pretty cool. Thank you so much. I mean, there's a lot of amateur shit that I should have thought of that I didn't realize till I was in there. And as I'm in there, I'm the, oh, oh no, should have <laughs> no, thought of No, don't think like that. Thank you, thank Good. you, thank you. I've gotten a lot of texts from people that are like, hey, man, you did your thing in there. And I was like, my immediate response was, somebody should have told my brain that while I was in there. <laughs> there was a lot of, I mean, when he flipped my ass on that table, oh. I landed on a, a TV. Yeah. And then he started punching me in the face right in front of fucking Kid Rock. It's tough. Taylor Lewan yeah. and Derrick Henry. Shout Crazy. Out, shout out to them, all, by the way, for being super 
cool the entire time. Uh, Will Compton was there. I, I, he was down. I didn't know he was down a couple. I missed him. But it was a hell of a hell of a weekend in Nashville. But sure. let's talk about your life, Ian. You're up this yeah. morning super early. When did you guys know the announcement? Because uh, we saw Joe Cena's tweet yesterday. Joe Cena said, "Hey, uh, everybody's expecting an answer tomorrow." You're up at 3 a.m. this morning, just sitting on it, waiting on it. Is that how it went? And what was the process when you released it? Everybody immediately said, "Only six games." I assume to you, yeah. like you were the one that made the decision. Well, good thing I don't read the the comment section under the tweet. So uh, <laughs> yesterday I land in Vegas at around 10.30 and I get a text like, all right, the decision is coming tomorrow. Sue Robinson has informed everyone. So the first thing I did was, and I don't love to report timeline like this ruling is expected then because that's just a great way to look dumb because nothing ever happens when you expect. But I called my bosses and basically were like, let's get ready. And so we got Pelissero in uh, Cleveland with Steve Weish. We got Judy Batista, who does a lot of great league stuff for us. I'm here in Vegas, so we changed our camera crew time to be real, real early. So woke up at 3, we're camera ready at 4 a.m. Vegas time, and the news broke at 5.22, I think, Vegas time. And yeah, six games. Um, I know it was a surprise to some people, especially when it was so out there that the league wanted it to be a year indefinite suspension. Like, that was really part of the narrative was that Everyone was sort of debating a year, which made people think it was going to be longer. But remember, this is not the NFL making the decision. It is Sue Robinson. She is jointly appointed. She has been the one, you know, hearing the uh, the NFL presented the cases of five women. She heard those and made her decision. And now we'll see if the NFL appeals. Okay, so three days for the NFL to appeal this process. Yep. How would that three go? Days and uh, and I, you know, I would imagine what they would do is in part gauge public reaction, right? Like obviously immediately everyone reacts, but then <laughs> only six is going to trend for the next four days. I think mm -hmm. maybe five, yes. maybe, yeah. you know, and then I, I assume that's only going to continue to get a lot. How would that work? Would it be the lawyers that represented the NFL in the case with judge Hugh Robinson would say, Hey, we would like to appeal. Then that appeal goes to Supreme court, which is da -da -da, Roger Goodell, right? Mm -hmm. Roger Goodell or his designee. So he can appoint someone to kind of like represent him in this appeal. The interesting thing here, oh, I, I think it's interesting. It's kind of nerdy, but um, is this is the first time they've used this process. So if the, so, and the NFL jointly negotiated this with the NFLPA. So if they take this process, which they negotiated and say, yeah, we're going to appeal this ruling by this judge who is jointly appointed. Like, what does that mean for future precedent? Like is, you know, because the NFLPA is watching, and if there's a ruling they don't like for next time, maybe they appeal, or maybe the NFL sets the precedent now, like, this process was agreed upon, we think it should be more games, but we will let this stand, because if the NFL does appeal, then I would imagine Deshaun Watson and his people take this to court. Okay, so this is not over until the NFL says they're not appealing it. And if the NFL was to appeal it, then they're appealing the own process that they put in, basically. So it's just, there's layers of, okay. Right, and, and the appeal is part of the process, but yes, they would be appealing the ruling of the judge who's jointly appointed. Uh, why did they only talk to five people? And will her full report ever come out? Because it said, what, thousands and thousands of pages? So did she, she investigated the acts and then held the acts against the personal conduct policy? How did the process go from your understanding, obviously? So the NFL talked to more than 10 people. I'm not sure of the exact number, but it was more than 10 accusers. 
but they presented five and one ended up getting thrown out because the NFL didn't talk to that woman directly. So really it was Judge Robinson making the decision based on the allegations of four women that the NFL found credible. And that's this is a major distinction because in the public, in the media, it's been 20 cases. It's been or 25, 26 cases. But this judgment was based on four cases. And this is the final four that uh, three of the four just settled? Is it? Is no, it those four? No, I don't think so. Uh, it's. I don't think these were like the last standing of the four because uh, – nah, so they were, they were just four of the ones the NFL found credible. There were no allegations of violence. So there was allegations of sexual misconduct but no violence. So that's why when the judge says, you know, it's nonviolent offender, it's because – no one to her alleged any violence. Okay, so uh, people are going to be pissed regardless. This was such a serious, and there were so many allegations, so there's no winning in this whole thing. Six games light in your eyes, what you expected or no? I mean, six games has been sort of the baseline for, like, you've done something really wrong, like for a PED suspension, for Ezekiel Elliott got six games, Um you know, six games has sort of been like the standard for like serious allegations. Um, so I'm like not surprised. Maybe it seemed at one point it might be more, but it's been so important during this whole process to not kind of ride the wave of reports and emotions. Because one thing we've said pretty consistently is only the view of Judge Robinson matters. So any of the reports, like none of it meant anything. So six games is, is what it is. And, um, you know, he'll play October 23rd uh, against the Ravens. And that Ravens game will be the 10th anniversary of their Super Bowl as well. So that night already was supposed to be huge. That Good. Hey, how are they going to monitor fans? This is real. You know, those Ravens fans, they don't get ever talked about like, oh, the Philly fans are, you know, ruthless uh, Steelers fans, bunch of drunks, obviously. Boston, bad fans. Mm-hmm. Baltimore fans are awesome in my eye. They are very, very yeah. – are, are they? is the NFL assuming that this is just going to become a massive thing here on going forward? Uh, you mean as far as just the reaction? Yeah, every stadium is going to be yeah. – I would think that's probably right, um, but that's that's okay because you know one of the one of the things that happens when you become, as you know, like an NFL player, is you do things and you draw a reaction for it, whether it's positive or negative. And this is, I would imagine that it's going to be negative. I would imagine he'll be booed. And considering what Deshaun Watson has faced, and obviously his own doing, I'm not saying that, but just the criticism and everything from the last year, like I imagine he has been. More, he is more than ready to deal with a bunch of people yelling at him. All right, we appreciate your news break. We appreciate your effort in this entire thing. I was told by numerous people this weekend that this show makes you look like a human and not a rat. So you can thank <laughs> us too. Um, I thank all those people, as I as I've told you before, when I'm doing my training camp stuff. I, people, more, I went to Indy and I heard more McAfee yells than anything like it seems that people in indy like this show and they appreciate me being on it so i appreciate you having uh, yeah indy yeah we're just local indie shot <laughs> no, uh, I hey I, I do have one thing for you yeah i got a text from tory dandy last night oh dandy oh. tory don Donny, uh, tell him congrats on the Debo deal. deal yeah other one um he is now ready to come on the show if you would like to talk all right tory Mr. Dondi, we'd love to have you. Congrats on resetting the entire NFL market. If you could plug us and connect us, I'd be appreciative. 
I got you. All right. I'm on it. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great day today. I know you're going to be talking a lot. You're doing great work. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Rappaport. Thanks, Tori Dondi coming on. Okay. Here we go. Isn't he a dandy, that Dondi? He truly oh, he is. is. Oh, the diaper Dondi. Uh-huh. Wide receivers. Uh, we could dive right into that right now because it's not being talked about. And by the way, also rest in peace, Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll have a moment of silence for Bill Russell. Thank you for everything. Not our sport, but obviously sports icon, trailblazer, legend in the human world. Recipes him not getting talked about much because of Sue Robinson's report. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel deal. Yeah. Also not getting talked about much at all. Now, I was wrong, like I have been on numerous occasions. And every time I am, I come out and say, well, I was wrong. Because on Just like other times where I've been wrong. I assume the Jimmy G thing was going to have to happen before Debo Samuel deal happened. Now, that is under the assumption that Southern Cap matters in which we can start diving into the salary cap numbers and more uh, tomorrow because Mike Greenberg, salary cap guru of the Buccaneers, is coming on tomorrow. Love He's to pretty good. Okay. So that should be a good cash yeah. over cap conversation about the salary cap, how they've been able to keep everybody on their roster for three straight years now getting paid. Everybody's getting paid somehow, mm-hmm. yeah. and nobody else has been able to figure it out. But that is something we should have thought about with the Niners, even though the uh, Niners operate in their own fashion, their own timeline. So Debo Samuel, after a... Uh, tumultuous offseason on whether or not he'd have a deal or not have a deal took down everything off his social media oh, yeah. was on a phone call that got certainly released to the public mm-hmm. right and then kind of taken back chit-chatting about the business of it all alongside hollywood brown and then also dk metcalf's happenings and every other wide receiver Devonte, tyreek every wide receiver thing that happened in this modern world of paying a big-time wide receiver if you have a young quarterback that you don't have to pay that has kind of been the mo of this offseason so debo showing up and having a hold in was fascinating because that made us believe oh they must be close they were Sheena Quick last week reported that she's hearing a Debo Samuel deal will be done by the end of the weekend. 70 million ish is what she was predicting. 100%. She's pretty fucking yeah, close. Yeah. Ended up being like 73.5 or uh, 71.55 with a 73.5 max. 58.1 million guaranteed. 51 million of that being guaranteed, like. Uh, two days from now, and then another seven million being guaranteed next April first, twenty twenty three, as roster bonuses. He has incentives in there for every single game. There's six hundred fifty thousand dollar incentives in there that I would assume are for like uh, Pro Bowl or for Super Bowl or for playoffs or some sort. It's they, it says it's undocumented in the contract that Mike Florio had received for Pro Football Talk. So fifty eight million dollars guaranteed for Debo Samuel, um, Tory Dondi locks up another wide out in the last six months for the wide receiver market has been hysterical i mean absolutely game changing and when you look at it tyreek hill is obviously at the top because like 72 million of it's guaranteed and there's clips coming out from training camp at tua hucking like a 64 yard bomb in stride to Mm tyreek hill and is that what their offense is going to look like then that's 72.2 million dollars guaranteed well worth it now waddle's looking at that wondering a lot i'd assume especially with how Mm -hmm. the year is going to go but the miami dolphins went all in on the cheetah and there's good reason why because they sink Devontae adams go from the packers to the raiders 
Raiders. What's his season going to look like? What are the Packers going to be without Devontae Adams? Universally, uh, number one wideout when it comes to everything when you're talking to other wideouts. Now, he's not as explosive as Tyree Kill, but he's always open, catches everything, and runs every single route. Yeah, well said. And I think, you know, I mean, Derek Carr obviously isn't the same guy as Aaron Rodgers, but there's no reason to think that Devontae won't go and have another monster season. Yeah, he's always open. So those two are at the top of the charts here with uh, 72 million guaranteed, 65 million guaranteed. Cooper Cup got 75 million guaranteed. AJ Brown, 57 million guaranteed. Diggs, 70 million guaranteed. DK Metcalf, 58 million guaranteed. Debo Samuel, 58 million guaranteed. Terry McLaurin, 53 million. DJ Moore, 41 million. Chris Godwin, 40 million. Mike Williams, 40 million. And let's not forget, we chatted about this earlier. That's a 631 million in total guaranteed money for wide receivers in the last six months. Congrats to all the boys catching balls out there. Let's not forget that Christian Kirk set this whole motherfucker off. Whenever everybody saw how much money he was making in Jacksonville, every wide receiver uh, said, hey, no offense, Christian Kirk. Really like what you're doing. With that being said... The price just went up yeah. for everybody, and it kind of set this whole thing in motion. The wide receivers are going to come more and more important as the game continues to open up. You pay quarterbacks. Why? Because the game's on their shoulders. Well, who are they throwing it to? They're throwing it to wide receivers. Now, tight ends are thinking the same exact thing. Offensive linemen, especially, uh, specifically tackles, are getting paid because tackles are going against edge rushers, which, guess what, are getting paid. Tight ends are blocking at the end of lines. Who are they going against? Edge rushers normally. And they're catching like wide receivers their market's going to go up. Looks like everybody's about to get paid on the offensive side of the ball. We will see some positions kind of fizzle out in the payday market, but great for the wide receivers right fucking now. Yeah, and those are only going up, right? I mean, like the next few years, you'll probably see more guys bounce around similar to like quarterbacks, like the way Russell Wilson has been moved. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, I I thought about this a lot this weekend. Um, As I was flying home from Nashville. Yeah. Had a couple... uh, Cups of whiskey. What? That was pretty good. Had Miller Lights. What? I don't normally have Miller Lights. What? I don't normally have Miller Lights. Great tasting, less filling. Yeah, but not really. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm normally a Bud Light guy. Sure. Right? Through and through. But the uh, people that had the Miller Lights only right. had the Miller Lights because it was the only thing available whenever they were grabbing the thing. Sure. And they were offering up me a beer. And I'm like, who the fuck would I be to not drink? Oh, I only drink Bud Light. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if I? Yeah. Sorry about it. Be that. tough. Sorry about it. I'll go get my own. I'll wait. No DoorDash. How the lattes taste? Uh, so pretty good actually. You know, it wasn't bad. I hadn't yeah. had it in years. Yeah. It actually, yeah. wasn't that bad. Yeah, pretty good still. Yeah, I'm happy I pulled the trigger. Now, now it might have been the moment I was in the situation yeah, I was sure. in after the match. But as I was flying home. I started thinking about like life as a whole and the show because you know seasons around the corner now. Oh, yeah. Had to uh, you know start doing that. The wide receiver market is awesome right now because there's guys, and I guess there'll always be guys that separate themselves. But these draft classes the last few years, mm-hmm. like man, dudes have been able to just get. I don't want to say plugged in place and they're Tyree Kill. Yeah. That ain't going to happen. There's always going to be aliens in every single position. I believe that to my soul. Because there's difference between high school players and college players. There's difference between college players and NFL players. Massive difference. And then there's differences between NFL players and all pros. Yeah. And then there's differences between all pros and all the famers. Right. And like there's, there's always going to be motherfuckers that are just different. And, you know... Whoever you were around, if you don't know any NFL guys, whoever you were around in your high school is the best high school football player, you know, and I would assume that person you guys thought was very talented. Like, there's motherfuckers out there that are just like, no joke, 25 times better at football than the person that you thought was the best football player you've ever been. So I believe there will always be 
this elite group at the yeah. top at every position there always will be i just think some people are just built motherfucking different and that is just how it goes but if these rookie classes continue to be unbelievable at wide receiver in with seven on seven they're all wearing those guardian caps i guess oh, that's right. age, so it's not even a weird thing for them. they put those sons of bitches on they're flying around mm -hmm. they're running routes for content i mean there's like foot doctors out there like foot speed doctors out there that are doing just agility drills basically that people used to have to do alongside conditioning that nobody wanted to do but now yeah. everybody wants to do it just because it's great content look what the fuck my feet can do mm -hmm. that your feet can't do run up hundreds of thousands of views maybe even a million views if omar picks it up because omar is running what sports center bleacher report the check down yep mm -hmm. house of highlights house of highlights uh -huh. omar runs every one of those accounts right yeah. yeah all of them okay i thought so and if omar picks it up and throws it in there boom you got millions of views yeah. just getting better yeah. just getting better at football you get millions of views. so i think that is naturally gonna make skill positions even defensive ends yeah. like any any rush any explosive <laughs> position i think is only going to get better so they continue to pay the guy the only time you're going to pay is if you got a rookie quarterback that's worth a fuck. Mm -hmm. So it'll be second-year quarterbacks that showed promise in, like, the first year. And then they're going to pay these guys because all these wide receivers are getting, like, two-year, three-year deals, basically. Mm -hmm. They have longer deals on them, voided years, so they can cut up the signing bonus. But it's, like, three-year deals. Mm -hmm. So you get that second-year quarterback. Oh, this guy might be worth a fuck, and we're not paying him anything. Now we can bring in a paid who's the elite guy yes. of all the good wide receivers. And then if you pay your quarterback, it's just like, all right, we can get some young guys, mm -hmm. get a good tight end. Get, yeah. We can maybe get a good tight end, but we can get these younger wide receivers to do what it is. I feel like that's probably how it's going to go. So maybe not as many as the wide receivers are currently. I think people are trying to feel out what the right way to play this whole thing is with this new era of wide receivers being fucking unbelievable yeah, at a very young age. I think that's probably how it's going to go. And then inevitably the game will come back to a more physical style and change and maybe tight ends will go as opposed to wide receivers. That's just that's just as I was on some vitamins and some drinks and very loopy because I was very winded and beat up at the time. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out what that is. I think that's going to be the trend. Like, I appreciate oh, yeah. you bringing it up, actually. I think that is how people are going to build their rosters. Especially with how deep these wide receiver classes are. Like, it's not just the guys going in, like, the top five or the top ten. Like, how many of these guys who are getting new deals were second-round picks? Or, you know, I mean, like, it's not like you have to invest all your draft capital to go get a guy like Julio Jones or Jamar Chase at four when you can draft a guy like DK Metcalf or Debo or whoever with, like, the 52nd or the 65th pick and he's still going to turn into one of the best receivers in the league. How about when Aaron was on last time? He literally said, ah, oh, that seventh rounder uh, seems to have mm -hmm. it as well. It's like mm -hmm. a fucking Aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back -back MVP is like, hey, there's a seventh round pick mm -hmm. that we got actually that I'm like, that fucking guy can run a route. Yeah. Right? Don't, yeah. don't we, we just need him to, don't we just, hey, we just need you to get the fucking 13 mm -hmm. yards right However the fuck you're going to get there. We just need you to get there in this amount of time. Like, it feels like if you have an established quarterback that can do that and knows what the defense is going to be, knows which route is going to be open with what they're seeing, you can get some of those younger wide receivers and maybe, I don't want to say have just as productive, which uh -huh. you won't because the elite guys who are expensive are elite and expensive for a fucking reason. Yeah. They're going to make plays, but... I think that is going to be the view on how you build a fucking team out there. That's why the Deontay situation. Well, now. Good. Now that everyone's paid, okay, like all of the top wide receivers are paid, he could just play out his last year of his contract here, and then he becomes the primary free agent wide to receiver. second-year quarterback that yeah. might be worth a yeah. fuck. New England. Well, he'd be in his third year. Yeah. 
But I mean, still three three years left on the deal. Still with the fifth year option. Oh uh, yeah, they're going to pay. They're going to have to the pay. The top him quarterbacks year. are now getting paid after their third year. Yeah, before the fourth year. Oh well, if he's a top quarterback, that'd be incredible this year. Seeing the well, I think Super he is. Bowl. Do you don't think Mac Jones is going to be? There? I mean, I absolutely I, do. But I just believe that Mac Jones is going to be unbelievable this year. Yeah, I do too. I have a blind faith in this. You know, former child bad body quarterback mm-hmm. out of Alabama mm-hmm. that yeah. just had one year of dominance in college. I am just under the impression that he's going to be fucking unbelievable this year. Yeah, and everything coming out of camp with Devontae Parker, who we got from Miami, is you know all great news. But still, like you still got the Super Bowl favorite, MVP favorite in the division. Like how how far can you really go when you have that? Well, I, well, I don't think he's going to fall. I don't think the Patriots are going to fall into the part where they'll pay another wide receiver next year. I most don't think. we have the most cap space next year. That's the only reason I say that. And just because. Uh, oh. So maybe you get the Mac Jones deal done ne- next year. Yeah. Get that thing out of the way. Well, that's. That's what's interesting about like the Bengals because they got Burrow and T. Higgins who are the same year, and then Jamar Chase. Like, what are they going to do with that? Yeah. So I think what I think is going to happen is probably one of those is either probably T. Higgins then. Yeah, I would assume right because Jamar. I, Jamar said in an interview he buys clothes for Joe Burr. Yeah. All those incredibly Joe Burr yeah. memes. Mm-hmm. That's all Jamar Chase has bought those outfits for him. Just dropped them off at his house, which is right next door. Yeah, I'm real. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you'd ever want to break that up, but business will come into play at some point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gronk and Tom were able to get through it mm-hmm. with business coming up numerous times yeah. with Gronk being a different. It's just, I think that's what teams are going to do. They're going to rely that the younger guys will be able to make more plays because the last two or three years, the draft classes of wide receivers have been good. Yeah. yeah. Like Justin yeah. Jefferson might reset the entire well, market when he, he gets paid. Yeah, Let's get top. to a break. Um, C- yes. C.D. Lamb. And what are they going to do with Kirk? Because they'll bring in a young quarterback probably. They'll be able to keep Justin Jefferson. For sure. Yeah. And that'll, that would be the – that'd be just off the blueprint. And like – if they keep Kirk, which sounds like a Desi. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think so. Sounds like GM's <laughs> ready to get rid of him already. That's a team that after this year, with Justin Jefferson's deal being up, get a rookie quarterback, pay him, keep Thielen, keep your weapon, keep Dalvin Cook, keep, mm-hmm. yeah. and then go forward. He might get like $200 million. Who? Justin Jefferson. They gave him like a seven-year deal. Three voided years on the back, maybe. So like a 10-year deal, but... There's 41,000 people watching right now. How Jesus. You How you it feels like like a lot of these receivers, they're doing these three-year deals where they work. Like Justin Jefferson's going to get paid at 26 again, 27 yeah. again. So yeah, smart. three-year deals are very smart. Uh, Tom Pelissero, I guess, has released uh, a recap. No? The conclusion of the report, and now uh, the report is going to be released here, the full 16-page report. from. So Sarah. is the conclusion not a recap? I guess you could call it Rico. All right. Thank you. I feel pretty smart about that. Because yeah. I don't know legalese well enough. We'll read this during the break. We'll be back in four minutes. We'll dive into this thing. This is what people have been asking for. Mm-hmm. This, because you would assume that Sue Robinson has heard more than any of us. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yes. Right? You would, you would think so. You, know. you would well, hope. You would hope so, right? You would, you would hope that she would know more than anybody else. She has listened to more than else. They had what? Four of the accusers mm-hmm. yeah. in Deshaun Watson's case that they found most credible. Now, everybody will find a hole in that, I guess. Exactly. Or did the NFL pick these four to lighten it up on Deshaun? I don't know why the NFL would want to do that. I don't know I don't know why Judge Sue Robinson would want to do that. You're kind of just just assuming that everybody that's in, in a decision-making role is a terrible person. Right. 
So then you're also saying that Judge Sue Robinson isn't if you're saying that immediately? Because that's a natural thought thought that some people are having. Whenever they see only six, it's like, oh, this must have been this must have been what the NFL wanted or whatever. She's a judge though. You know, like she doesn't have she doesn't have a, a horse in this race. She's just trying to, you know, I mean it's like it's not like she has some ties with Deshaun Watson. Maybe she does somewhere, but like she's just she's trying to make a ruling. And I think that's why the release of the report's a good idea. Right. Yeah. All right, let's try to read through the conclusion and then some of the report here during this break on the other side. Can't wait to hear the hows and the whys. All we do know is the NFL has three days to appeal, and uh, it could be six games, and it could be a much longer process. Here we go. Atta, baby. Hey, there we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. On the other side, Toxic Tables here at Ty Schmidt at Boston Connor. At Boston Connor was wearing his guardian over his helmet in the first hour because Massachusetts has formally legalized FanDuel sports. Hey, here we go, Massachusetts. Hey, but don't be too reckless out there. Have a little fun. And yeah, the, yeah. the good thing about legalized sports gambling mm-hmm. is they will actually make sure you are not being absurd or ridiculous. Yeah. They will look out for you. And the people in Massachusetts who had 20 years to celebrate something and had 20 yeah. years of a sure mm-hmm. thing now entering a new era. And it appears as if Mac Jones looks good sports gambling and fan those coming to massachusetts yeah. what a time to be alive everything's looking up and let's not forget you know massachusetts has legal weed so maybe if you are Ooh. thinking about you know spending a little too much money why don't you go down to your legal dope store have some legal dope and then place you know a reasonable bet not these ridiculous bets look okay? at massachusetts wow. yeah turn it around you're welcome you know how come you guys couldn't be a little bit more open-minded when Bill Russell, rest in peace? Well, I question. will not comment on society at the time that Bill Russell was around because I think it's despicable. And I don't even look back at those times because they're so gross to me. But exactly, blinders on. Didn't do the list. Let's go. But well, you, I mean, did. you actually did yeah, it. Yeah. No, I, I did, did blinders. Yeah. And then you mentioned. Chuck Lagana's joining us in 15 yeah. minutes. I'm sure he's going to be pumped about your imitation of him. Our, hey, me and Chuck have already talked. I apologize. I said, hey, if you see anything where I may be imitating you and I maybe have a list, but I I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm happy you made up with them. Anyways, congrats, Massachusetts. Yeah, That's awesome. Huge. Tone Diggs is here, one half of the hammer. God. How you doing gambling? We good? Pretty good, I think, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, huge hit over the weekend in Toronto FC. Thank you, Paul. Hey, there you go, oh, Toronto. Yeah. You know who I bet on? I bet on the England women to win the Europe's. Nice. And they did. What? What? I didn't see Gumpy tweet about that at all. Yes, he did. he did. Corner kick goal, like 109th minute. It was fucking it was awesome. Nasty. What? It was hey, I want to let you know, and this is going to sound terrible. I just assumed the United States was the only team that had a good women's soccer sure. team. Mm-hmm. I because we just rack up championships and right. That. That's what we I'm do. like, oh, every other team must just be sorry. I was watching those Europe's. <laughs> hey, there's some fucking dogs out there. Uh-huh. We're talking like 35 yard rockets. Oh yeah, top shelf. It is. It was. So it came home. It did come on, yeah, finally, for the first time in like uh, 35 years, maybe. Wow. 35 years they won. Uh, Brandy Chastain moment, too. Did you see yeah. as soon as the girl scored mm-hmm. the whole moment? Brandy Chastain. Congrats, England. Congrats. Yeah. I didn't hear Gump and sing one time. No, wow. that's, it did seem interesting. I didn't hear much singing out of the Gump about it all. I think he wanted to be quiet, didn't want to ruin it. Oh, okay. It. You know what I mean? Didn't oh, want to last time. Because I did see him celebrate afterwards. But I would like to reiterate our fact, just like when the men had their Europe's, if you guys really want to win, fucking invite the. Concave for champs over here. Put the U.S. in. You know, I know Europe's is not the continent we're on, but if you really want to dance as hard as you guys dance after winning that thing, That's right. at least have some dogs in there from the United States of America. Because <laughs> we're going to Cutter, and we're winning the soccer Lombardi, yeah. Yeah, and then right. our women are going to win back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back soccer Lombardis. That's right. And I hate to say it to the world. It's our game now. Sorry. 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 
But I was incredibly impressed by the women's Europe. So oh, yeah, it was actually entertaining. Do they have to call it? Whoa. No, I'm not saying because what? that. I'm saying what? soccer in general. Like, oh, I, like, okay, I, soccer. I, like, I enjoyed watching uh, that more than, like, the top Premier League, you know, match. Zero, zero Yeah, game. exactly. Oh, this shit stinks. I want to turn it off. But we were watching that and Fucking right away. Goals. Yeah, and, and like you said, we're not talking little pot shots. We're talking wondrous strikes from right outside the box. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, very impressive. Congrats, England. Joining us now is a man who... Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> saying uh, he's a college football national champion. A super, I assume he watched the Europe's championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely did. Uh, Ryder Cup champion, COVID survivor, ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. Hey, AJ. Oh. AJ, did you watch the Europe's this weekend? Anyone yeah. got another win? Of course I did. I have a sign. Brandy Chast Chastain signed a picture of her in her little celebration to my daughter like five years ago. Of course I saw it, man. Ty, what a sexist remark. You just had a daughter, man. <laughs> Whoa. It wasn't sexy. Not even listening. It wasn't sexist at all. Holy shit. <laughs> what? Did you hear him say that actually entertaining line? No, yeah. he, it's because he meant because of soccer. I'm soccer just, in I'm general. I'm just ribbing him as they say. <laughs> well, no, yeah. Don't worry. As soon as it came out of his mouth, I think we all were like... Jesus Christ, Ty. Oh, yeah. But so, that's sexist to you guys to think that's exactly... No. This is what yeah, you did with Tony yeah, a few months yeah, ago, Ty. It was your tone. Yeah. No, it was your tone. No, no, that's no, no, right. no. Yeah, it wasn't our fault. Oh, look at this guy just blaming others. Yeah. What type of accountability is this? No, yeah. hey, listen, what is wrong? I love you teaching your daughter. What I is going on? Huh? I loved it. I loved watching it. But you are right. It did seem to be much more entertaining yeah. than most of the men's soccer games yes. we've watched. We've Tenfold. been forced to watch a lot of men's soccer in here, yeah, especially when Gumpy was here. Yeah. Rest in peace on his time in the United <laughs> yeah, States. So but when Gumpy was here, there was a lot of soccer on these TVs, uh -huh. and there was a lot of, oh, my God, these guys stink. I yeah. mean, it was games that we'd never heard of, and this is, what Gumpy, this is why Gumpy's the best footy handicapper yeah. in the world because mm -hmm. he watches these miserable performances mm, by these so teams boring. that you have never heard of, and we're forced to watch it. Then these women in Europe start happening. It's like fucking laser, oh, laser. It's Goal. like, all right, this is fucking awesome out here. Anyways, let's move on. Only six games is what the internet's saying, AJ Hawk. I think uh, whenever we heard the NFL was pushing for an indefinite suspension of Deshaun Watson for the 24, I guess, allegations against him that are obviously incredibly serious and we've chatted about for the last year and a half. It is there's been a lot of happenings around this with other quarterbacks, a trade, the biggest contract in NFL history with the most guaranteed money. This has been just so much shit into one story. Judge Shoe Robinson says six games. Did you expect this? What are your thoughts on it all? And how's Ohio reacting to this, A.J. Hawk? That's a great question. I've not been out and about to see how uh, people in Ohio are reacting to it. But I knew last night when I saw the NFLPA's statement saying we will not appeal it. I'm like, okay. It's like eight games or less, I would imagine, because they Six got tipped off somehow. This is not going to be a full season, right? How about the NFLPA? As soon as they put that out, I think you weren't the only one that thought that. I think everybody was like, oh, the NFLPA seems happy. Yeah, yeah we're not going to appeal yeah. it. Are the fucking assholes going to appeal yeah, it? Exactly. Uh, you tell us. Do they? We respect Judge Sue Robinson. Mm -hmm. It's what the NFLPA said last night. We respect the Honorable Judge Sue Robinson. Does the NFL? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. You tell us. I don't know. We would like them to make this promise tonight. That they will not appeal. Uh -huh. And then that thing rolls out 8 a.m. this morning or whatever. And the NFL is like, we're thinking about what the next steps are. <laughs> Ultimately, in the end, though, they appeal this in the next three days. It goes right to Goodell, just like we were saying at the beginning of this whole thing, AJ. Yeah, exactly how we said it. So I don't know. Is it a bad look for the NFL if they do appeal it? Or is it a bad look if they don't appeal it? So we were talking about this at the end of the last hour. This is the first time this process has happened. This is a massive deal for the new CBA. The NFLPA and the NFL had big... Are you all right over there? Microphone good? 
Good, good. Just getting situated. What, are they coming after you? Are they attacking your microphone? No, no you know, I, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, I had some mic arm issues. I think I have it figured out. Though. Oh, is that when you blew it? <laughs> it you tried to light Remember on it fell it? one time? Oh, yeah. I just had to hold the whole mic stand for... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had your arm up like this. And when it, by the way, once it started moving, like, uh, you, knew. you were embarrassed. But like for us, it was like, how have you held that for an hour and 10 minutes? <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. It's because that's Hawk. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Hawk's got the worst knees on earth, and he walks 28 miles every year at Lake Tahoe. <laughs> Ridiculous. And no sells it, by the way. Mm-hmm. No sells it at all. Do you remember? What was it? Hole seven? I think I looked at you and said... I am so fucking sore. How come you didn't tell me? You're like, oh, yeah, your body's going to feel terrible. That's just part of it. That's just part of it, whatever. And uh, I guess nobody's... Part of the game. Yeah, it's part... Anyways, so this stuff... The NFL and the NFLPA, though, massive part of the last CBA was the fact that Roger Goodell was the judge, jury, and the executioner. So no matter what happened, it went to Goodell's desk, and he was just able to throw out suspensions, fines, whatever he wanted to do. And in every locker room, it was a problem. So there was somebody from every team that felt as if they got fucked, even if the ones aren't public that you hear about. There's always the uh, the punishments that you hear about that are suspensions mm-hmm. and the public hears about. There's a lot of other stuff that happens. Uh, uniform fines, uh, whatever, everything else that happens on a day-to-day that you don't even hear about that basically all trickled to Roger Goodell's desk in that last CBA. He was in charge of everything. So the NFL, PA, and the NFL players were like, in the next CBA, we need somebody else other than Goodell who does this. So Judge Sue Robinson was this position that was found. And as AJ and I were unlearn or learning about the Judge Sue Robinson experience in the NFL, we didn't we literally said Oh, so this ain't shit. This is going right to Goodell anyways because we were players in the locker room who had these conversations that even put... By the way, the only reason why Judge Shoe Robinson is even a thing is because NFL players got so pissed off that Roger Goodell was the only one making any other decisions. So in the ruling from Judge Shoe Robinson today, they said in the conclusion, like, we're trying to make a shift in culture... And we're trying to set a precedent, but there isn't. No, there's no fair notice or something like that, or a fair heads up to the players on how this is going to be, um, like done, what the process is going to be. So I have no idea how this plays out because you would think Goodell would want to empower the process. That's brand new, right? But if they appeal, if the NFL appeals, who's deciding to appeal? Wouldn't it be Goodell? That would be the one deciding to appeal, and then he's appealing to his desk, which ultimately, in the end, gets us right back to where we were in the last CBA, which we have been saying, but people said we were wrong, AJ. Okay, yeah. I mean, show us, I guess. If that's not the case, I would like to see someone explain to us how we are wrong in this process. Now, they can argue, hey, no, but, you know, Raj is going to stand by Judge Sue Robinson's decision, and, and maybe he's going to always stand by her decision until he doesn't until he doesn't like one of her decisions and then he can appeal and then do exactly what he has done before so this is good to bring somebody like a third party in but if that third party doesn't have final say it doesn't matter really and obviously the way it was told to me and aj and us stooges when we were wrong when we were literally saying oh so roger's making this is a roger goodell decision we were told no it's just like the court process Judge Robinson's ruling is final unless it's appealed. Then it goes up to the Supreme Court, and we all said, who's the Supreme Court? And turns out it's Roger Goodell. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So there, it was always going to end up on Roger Goodell's desk unless the NFL 
just accepted the ruling, which it turns out they're probably not going to over the next couple of steps. And he could babyface here. Could he not? He could baby. Roger Goodell, which we are not talking about the ruling um, being like six games surprised all of us, I think. I think six games has surprised all of us. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about the process of how we got here to this ruling and how now we are living in a world that I think any of us that had been in a locker room and heard the way this thing goes, we all expected, which is. It is now Roger Goodell's decision to whether or not it's six games or not, which is right back where we were with the last CBA. Yes, you're right. Raj could empower the new process. Or he could say, oh, you guys didn't like when I was judge, jury, executioner? Guess what? Still am. I'm going to fucking change this. I'm still going to do what This I want. is what I would have done. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I still can. Yeah, we are appealing. Mm-hmm. Who's we? Well, me. Who's we? Who's me? The NFL. Sorry, let me call my lawyers that represent. Hey, you need to tell Judge Hugh Robinson we're appealing so we can fucking run this thing right up to me. Boom, right up to me. Suspended indefinitely, just like we said for the... That could happen. That- Is anyone saying that, though? Is anyone else explain? Like, it probably will not. Roger will probably stand by this, yeah. I would guess. I don't know, though. First but- time. Hey, first time this, yeah. this is happening. Right? So his decision on this now sets the precedent for how serious this is going to be taken later. Right? And he, and he knows that very much. So, like, ah, man, what if he's like, man, why couldn't she have given him 12 games? That would have been a little like that. He may, I wonder where his head's at or what he's thinking because does he look, yeah, what happens if he appeals and says, no, we want 12 games? Do people like Raj more or less? Well, then the- M- more. Yeah. What about people? Okay. In the end. Even I'm trying to think of different groups, different regions. Do, do they feel any differently? Oh, know. yeah, you're right. You're right. I think like any... I don't know, though, man. Even Browns fans I've talked to, they're all like, man, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't understand how we did this. The guy's made plays. But they... Like, everyone's torn that I talk to, I think. They don't know what's going on. Yeah, a lot of Browns fans have publicly said, like, we are... We have been put in an interesting position. Yeah. Like, our team has stunk for a long time. Yeah. Uh-huh. We had a quarterback that won, and everybody hated him. Everybody, yeah, we had to get rid of him. So we now have a guy who's like a top five quarterback in a lot of people's eyes, hasn't played in a year. Oh, there's a lot of shit coming alongside of him, though. Don't blame this on us, the Browns fans are basically saying. But Browns fans also will say, just like Steelers fans said, you know, I think Ben Roethlisberger threw for like three touchdowns in his first game back. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, there wasn't a lot of – there wasn't a lot of Roethlisberger coming out of uh, Hayton coming out. He did his time. He did his mm-hmm. time. Didn't go to court. Scored touchdowns. But the rest of the NFL didn't forget. The night he no. retired, it no. was trending. Oh, yeah. Like, this is what's going to happen with Deshaun. If he plays well with Cleveland, Browns fans will be like, eh, don't want him near our family but or near our daughters. Yeah, but watching him. Great football player. And the rest of the NFL is just going to be like, you know who you nah, – you know, you, every yeah. game is going to be like that, AJ. They're yeah, Baltimore. And- hey, First what? game back, Baltimore. That crowd is fucking oh. ruthless. That is going to be – I assume that's going to be primetime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I assume it's primetime game. Yeah. Well, it, hey, think of this. Also, it, also right? like whatever Deshaun has done, we know how great he can be on the field. If this doesn't work out and the Browns aren't very good and it doesn't work oh. out with Deshaun, oh. add this to another like chip on the shoulder of Browns fans. You're like, oh, here we go. This is this is the only organization where something like this could happen. We, have, we had a quarterback that beat the Steelers in playoffs in Pittsburgh. We obviously run his ass out of town. Mm-hmm. 
Now we get this guy who gets suspended six games, then 12 games. Then he comes back, and guess what? He hasn't played in two years. He stinks. He's terrible. Our team's bad, and now we're on the hook for $230 million guaranteed. That's what the Browns are. Yeah, you could see that promo coming from somebody wearing a dog mask yep. outside of a keg. Mm-hmm. This fucking team. You know, like you can already see it happening almost. Also, yeah. based on what uh, Rap Sheet said earlier, and I mean, he doesn't know for sure, but if they're actually going to see what like public opinion is, then Goodell would have to be incredibly short-sighted or obtuse not to be like, no, we need to suspend him more than six games. What do you think is going to – hey, if he – Everyone's pissed about it. If he appeals it, though, is he not cutting that process right down at the knees? Exactly. He is, but he probably doesn't – does he like the process? It was forced upon him with the new CBA. He wants to be the final guy, I would imagine. I would imagine, though, Raj doesn't – I would. Do you think he wants to push off some of his responsibility he does have, like, or does he just want total power? So, in the entire thing, they said that Judge Sue Robinson had to read through thousands and thousands of pages of shit, right? Three-day trial, voluminous. Yep. Voluminous, which we learned how to pronounce there a little bit ago. Voluminous amount of Pantene shit. Pro V commercial. Is it? Do they say that in there? Because somebody in here said that. I feel as like well. they would. I said that's not what I first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, because you want to add a little bounce to the yeah. answer, a little volume. Yeah. volume. You want your hair to be voluminous. Yeah. yeah, so maybe Goodell's just like, thank you, Judge, for going through all that shit that I don't have to do anymore. With that being said, yeah, four more games on top of that. We, we got a deal, right, Judge? Thank you. What if they come out? What if Goodell and Sue have a fucking, you know, get, yeah. what <laughs> sure. if they fucking, hey, you know? What if, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, what if they do a full... What if they're like, yeah, she read the stuff, I read the stuff, I've been around, she's been around. She said six. I said, oh, ah, they went indefinite. They said 68. Feels like I just gave a guy a year for gambling. Eh. Got to be about 10, 12. All right, Sue. They fucking high five on the way out of the press conference. Anybody else fucks up, you'll see us again. Walks out of there like that could have. All of this, because it's the first time this is happening. We have no idea what the fuck the next steps are going to look like. We could peel this back a little farther. Raj works for the owners. What are the, do, the, do you think the owners want more games? Well, so there was somebody that tweeted me about how in the personal conduct policy, like players and owners and coaches are all judged the exact same and precedent in the past with owners and GMs and coaches that have done something like this because he was designated nonviolent. Did you see that? that, is that a, yeah, I saw that. Is that that's like a big distinction, I guess, when it comes to penalties. I assume that's why Sue went with six as opposed to anything very serious, because everybody that the four cases that she was presented that she said on page one of her sixteen-page report. Well, I'm sorry, fifteen-page report with one-page conclusion. She said she could only go off what was presented to her on the record, and they uh, Ian Rappaport told us that they went off of four of the most credible sor- uh, allegations that they had. Is who she heard from. Okay. Did she, like, does she hear directly from them? How does that work? I think so, yeah. I think it was yeah. I think it was a thing. Do, I think, dude, I have no idea. It's the first time any of this happened. Do the other cases also like play a part in this? Because like if they continue, if they appeal this, right, and then the NFLPA sues because they appeal, and then the Gruden case continues, and then the Dan Snyder case continues, and then Alvin Kamara has a yeah, court Raj case doesn't this week. Like, so Gruden case is not with the NFL. Gruden case is with I think actual courts. This is the, this is an NFL investigation yeah. with okay. Sue Kamara. Certainly, yeah. Sue Robinson might find uh-huh. that might that might fall to Sue Robinson's court, right? Like Kamara's thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. What is he at? Does he have a punishment as of now? No, I think they're still. No, he yeah, he still has a court date coming up. I think it's either this week or next uh, week. They're still collecting information. They said mm-hmm. so. They, that's whenever the NFL is like work. We have somebody working on it, but we are nowhere near ready to make a decision. Hmm. And they probably think more stuff is going to happen, which is like his legal court. Yes, date. exactly. But Gr- Gruden, I believe, is a. Like I don't yeah, think that's yeah, a, a that's not an NFL court. That's him versus yeah, that's versus okay. NFL. Okay, yeah. So that one is not for Roger Goodell to decide. Well, unless he's got the judge in his pocket, that's which, right. which we don't know. We don't know. We don't. We don't know how. Hey, we don't want to throw any judges mm-hmm. on our bus. Mm-hmm. Don't do we, AJ? No. No, I mean, you can't mess with like, federal judges, especially. You don't mess with that. I got no fucking problems with them at all. Nick, you were going to say something I feel like that was going to add to the conversation. Nope. He actually just shook his head. No. <laughs> I just, Snyder is, though, right? Was that? That's still. Uh, Over second, but what happened from that thing? He won for. It was 11 hours. And it was private. It was. They uh, won, see, it that's, was he got it. He won. Uh-huh. He went to his boat, his yacht, said, tuck, duct taped his pockets. Mm-hmm. Can't subpoena me. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm on my boat. I don't see yeah. it. Oh, I just lost my vision. That's crazy. I'm blind. Exactly. What do you mean? Sorry. If you see it right here. No. no not me, pal. Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, put it in my hands. Sorry. Duct tape my hands. <laughs> where? Where? I've never seen it. See ya. That's what he did. And then it got private. Now we didn't hear any of it. Yeah, we won't exactly. hear any of it. What's the deal? Is there a chance Hopefully we Goodell, do. like, no matter what he would, like, say he does do 10 games, people are still going to say, like, only 10, you think? Uh, yeah. Yes. No, no matter, matter what. what it would have been. Because these, those are very serious allegations. Oh, and yeah. they were... Just a lot of people. A lot of allegations. That's the big thing. Voluminous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Voluminous Ooh. amount of allegations. Did enough Some would say. Though that she did say in the report, though, no more personal towels. you got to get your team issued towel when you get a massage. Right. Joining us now, uh, club, club therapist only allowed. Club, right. Sorry, I read it differently. That yeah, was, it was nothing about a towel. Jesus. That's getting driving insane. Yeah. All right. Look out. Joining us now is a man who was a head coach in the NFL. He was a coordinator in the NFL. He was a college stud. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy coached for like 40 fucking years. Yeah. The people's coach. Our favorite coach. Yeah. A man who we can't wait to go and do another NFL season alongside. A man who I was lucky enough to play for. Ladies and gentlemen, head coach Chuck Pagano. Look at that 10. Look at that olive skin. Hey, What's up, guys? Look at the guy. Hey, you look good. The ghoul's flowing out here. How's the summer been? Amazing. Yeah, you look good. You know the best part? We're we're teeing off about a week and a half ago up in uh, McCall, Idaho, the little place by the lake we have, and and Dirk Cutter, myself, Chris Peterson, former head coach of you know UW Boise State, all retired, you know, and. We're reading on PFT. Everybody's showing up. You know, it's reporting day for training camps, and we're sitting there going, "Holy shit! It feels really good not having to go report." Yes. Yeah, right now, right? Hey, Chuck, we talked about that about the guys that retire like the day before training camp or the first day of training camp. Normally, OGs, and not yeah. all of them are reported, and not all of them are talked about. But there's like three guys this year that they thought about packing up to go to training camp. No. I ain't doing it. Uh, I ain't doing it. Training camp, what a fucking nightmare, but what a necessity, right? Absolute necessity for a team, uh, but just a different world, especially in the NFL. Let's dive into it, Chuck. If you were the Cleveland Browns head coach right now, and obviously let's not even talk about you being a part of the decision to give him the biggest contract in the history of the NFL, $230 million, get rid of the quarterback that got you guys to the playoffs and a playoff win for the first time in like a 1,000 years there in Cleveland. So let's just put all those things 
things aside <laughs> and let's just act like you're dropped into the reality of the world right now. Jacoby, you're happy that an announcement finally came, even though it's still up in flux. And then is all your focus right now on Jacoby Brissett and you've coached Jacoby Brissett. Is he good or, or bad for this particular position? Feels like he was built for it, right? Yeah, no question about it. And I think those guys are probably relieved. I think they all knew something was coming. You know, it wasn't going to be no games. It had to be something. So I think, you know, they're sitting there going, you know, Andrew Barry and, and Jimmy Haslam and company, they're sitting there going, okay, this is pretty good. We got six games. All right, so where do we go from here? QB1 is out. So Jacoby, you know, we had him in 2017. You know, Jacoby's been there since March. So he's gone through the entire offseason program. Baker, like you said, they kicked him out of the building. He's now in Carolina. So Jacoby got the lion's share, if not all the reps, in OTA. So it's not going to be an issue. Like when he came to uh, Indy in 2017, September 2nd, I think we traded for him. He didn't know the playbook. He didn't even know the guys in the huddle, let alone get in the huddle, call a play, you know, go to the line of scrimmage, you know, change the protection, ID the mic. All that's the snap count. So he he had nothing. So he's got the entire offseason. So he knows the playbook. He knows the personnel. He's got chemistry, you know, with the players. Um, Jacoby's a stud. I mean, he is an absolute stud. You know, he started 37 games uh, in the National Football League. He's got all the metrics that you need to be an NFL quarterback. Um, he's big. He's strong. He's talented. Like, he can make all the NFL throws. Um, and, he, and he's smart. And if I'm Cleveland, okay, I got six games, right? Look at the schedule. You know, they open at Carolina, which will be that, you know, Baker, you know, this is made for TV stuff, right? Because Baker's winning that job just so he can be the starter for that game, you know, so they can, pub, uh, you know, publicize that one huge. But, um, you know, they go to Carolina, they got uh, the Jets at home, they got Pitt at home, they go to Atlanta, you know, and then they come back home to Chargers. And then they got, um, Patriots. they got, uh, they got, yeah, they've got the pass. So I'm guessing they're going to be favoring probably a minimum four of those games, if not five out of those six games. They've got a great run game. They got an unbelievable offensive line. They got Chubb, you know, and they got Hunt. So they can run the ball. They were number one in the league last year in, in uh, I think, a little over five yards of carry. So they can run the football. They can run the football. Jacoby will manage the game really well. He can run the football. They can run RPOs. The run action, the play action passes. If they got to get the ball down the field, he's got enough arm talent to do that. And they got a top five defense. So it's not like this guy hasn't been in the building. It's not like he doesn't know the you know the offense. He's got rapport with the you know the head coach and the offensive play caller and Stefanski. Uh, so he doesn't have to put this whole, you know, city and this team on his shoulders, uh, so to speak, and just manage the game. Don't lose the game. So they'll do a great job. They'll put him in position, you know, hand the ball off, you know, long handoffs are the screen game, the bubble screens, you know, all those kind of things, the RPOs, like I said. And then, you know, he's got, again, enough arm talent to throw the ball down the field, and he's got wide receivers. He's got Njoku. He's got Cooper in town now. So, and you know, Garrett and uh, Clowney on the other side with a really good secondary. Um, I think like they're sitting like there the going, yeah. I think they're sitting there going, hey, you know, we're going to get through these first. Because if you're Stefanski, and he's already won the locker room over, Jacoby has. Because he is a great teammate. He is a top competitor. 
He's tough as damn nails. He'll be the first in the building. He'll be the last to leave. So I guarantee you, all those guys, they knew this was coming. They just didn't know how many games. You know, so they're sitting there saying, okay, shit, we have faith in this dude. We trust this dude. We love this dude. Our players in Indy love Jacoby. You know, and, and they've got a roster that's set up to support this guy. Did you hear Chucky's stats in there, by the way? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Chucky's stats. Hey, you had ch- hey, you had stats in there. Look at that old retired brain just fucking ha 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 boom. That was awesome. Go ahead, AJ. So bad. Go ahead. Chuck, how would you handle reps in, in training camp? I, from all that I know, uh Deshaun can be there through the rest of training camp. Do you do you get him with the one still to prepare him for when uh, obviously he does come back? Like do you want Jacoby taking all of it? Like what would you do? How about preseason games too? He's worth two hundred and thirty million still. What's what they say? Um, you know the deal with Deshaun. He gets to three more weeks of practice. What is that? I didn't hear that. What does he get to do? Is he there for all the training camp? We are just assuming here from previous situations. I think he can play in every preseason game, yep. and I think he can practice in every preseason practice. Then, whenever the regular season roster is made, then he's out of the building. Can't be there. Yeah. I so yeah. I mean, Jacoby's your starter, so you got to get him all the practice reps because that's a controlled environment. You don't want to go lose Jacoby in a preseason game, you know, because that's your that's your only dude. So what about Deshaun? On, what about Deshaun? You think he's playing in those preseason games? That's another one. You just you can roll the dice and say you probably want to give him some burn. He hadn't played in you know year and a half, two years, and now it's going to be you know how many games? So obviously going to be some you know some rust to knock off of of his game. So you know depending on who you're playing, and again they can throw him out there and. Um, hand the ball off and throw quick game and throw screens and launch it down the field a couple times and get him the hell out of there just to get him some burn. Um, but definitely with Jacoby, he's going to get all the all the reps in, in practice, you know, because again, he's your guy that uh, you got to win, you know, those first six weeks with and and give him give him all the attention because if you get Jacoby hurt in a preseason game, oh. you know, because and you got to move on from there. You sack the bats because I mean we've been there. <laughs> Yeah. Sack the because no. you're you're looking you're looking at you know if he doesn't start you know week one and you don't have him for those first six weeks you know oh with hey, with Baker it's a good chance you're going into Baltimore you guys were talking about going to Baltimore you know I've got four years of experience you know with that crowd and that organization yeah that's going to be electric and, and Deshaun's first game back to go on the road you know in that environment against that team. They're going to want to, because they want to murder everybody. They want to physically murder you, you know. Yes. And when you come in there, you know, Ray will come out, the fire will be going, he'll do his dance, and that whole place will just go absolutely berserk. Yeah. And he'll have he'll have no shot. No shot. Deshaun got <laughs> no shot. Uh, we are being told now, it's being reported, that Deshaun will be able to report to practice after week four game. Oh. Week four, he's able to report back to practice. I wonder what that, is that... Like a reacclimation period to get him back? I don't know. I have no idea. This is all first, you know, Chuck. This this Sue this Sue Robinson thing. This is all first for everything. Got to be CBA stuff, right? Like, yeah. hey, we he bring him back so he didn't get thrown into the fire right away, and he's in shape. Yeah, new CBA stuff. I guess you're allowed to get two weeks beforehand. I guess you get two weeks of practice beforehand. Is that what he says? You're allowed to return halfway through the suspension to practice in the new CBA. Oh, so after week three, then? I never understood, Pat. We. We'd get guys get suspended for PEDs, SOAs, you know, conduct, whatever. And some guys got to be in the building, and then some guys had to just disappear, you know. And the guys that 
were kicked out of the building were the ones that needed the building. They needed structure. They needed, you know, a routine. And they wouldn't let him in. So I never I never understood that, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, he did this, and we're just going to go let him go sit in his apartment by himself for the next six weeks. Yeah, I'm sure That's that'll go I'm sure he's going to come back, you know, mentally and emotionally and physically ready to go, you know. Well, it sounds like your complaints worked because they're giving them half yeah. half the time. They're allowed half the way through the suspension to come back into the building and get reacclimated. That sounds like Saban. Uh, what Saban said, what was that, a couple years ago? Yeah. Some guy fucked up. It might have been like a robbery or something happened off the field. And they said, are you going to kick him out of here? Or are you going to send him home? He's like, we send this guy home. He's fucked for the rest of his life. Like, the best place for this guy to be is here. You have no idea what his neighborhood's like, what his family's like, what his friends are like. Like, if he is not here, he is set up for absolute failure. So we're going to let this one mistake that he made as a 17-year-old as an 18-year-old ruin his fucking life or are we going to try to make him a better person? Kind of what Saban said in the first real he's not a fucking full-blown asshole alien comment I'd heard him say actually. It was like that's why I remembered so well. I was like, "Oh, Saban doesn't sound like just like the robot dickhead coach at all points, but it's very real. Like the guys that get, I wasn't allowed in the building when I got suspended for that one week or whatever. I was, I'm like, where am I? So I just sat in my house all by myself with no lights on. It's like, this is not where I should be. Either. I, don't, I don't, I don't think this is where I should be all by my, cause I can't go home. Cause all my friends, guess what? Getting fucked up they're every single sure. night, <laughs> every single night they're getting hammered. So it's like, I can't do that. It was like, I, uh, I'm happy that yeah, what, do they, what do they say? Idle hands are the devil's workshop or whatever that is. Oh. You know, now you're sitting there, okay, and you've got all these issues, and they do kick you out, and you don't have structure, and you figure out, you know what, I need structure. I need routine. I, I like going to a facility and put my thumb on the keypad, and it open, the door's open, and I got my breakfast, I get lunch, I get dinner, I get massages, I get I get everything, you know? Yeah. Speaking of massages, so that's going to be in the facility only now, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hey, great transition, uh, Chuck Pagano. <laughs> that is interesting that that was a part of the ruling, was only club-appointed um, therapy or whatever. Do you know, I think you were a part of a little bit of this, and this is probably something talked about, and Belichick was a part of this, obviously, and now it's down in Tampa. There's always those outside body gurus that guys like using, and especially, obviously we've seen it with Guerrero and Tom. It was up in New England there, and then he wasn't allowed in the building anymore, and then now he's in Tampa. I think he has an office in there, and Tom lives by it and stands by it. How much of that is the coaches are involved in that? Because the coaches, I feel like, are in an interesting spot where it's like, let's just get these guys to the fucking game, almost. Like, we just got to get these guys to the game. And then overhead, front office, GM are like, well, we can't set a precedent with this guy being allowed in a facility, this guy being allowed in a facility, who's allowed to have somebody who's not. And it's kind of only become a more recent thing. Do you remember any of that? And how do you feel about that type of shit? Like outside people coming into the building, working on guys, and if it helps the team, good, but is it a distract? Like there's so much shit that you have to deal with on a day-to-day in the NFL, I feel like. Yeah, so, I mean, it's all based on ownership, and then the GM, your, your higher-ups, you know, and what the policies are. And certainly when you get, you know, Tom Brady, you have an opportunity to get Tom Brady. And part of that get is, okay, this guy's coming with me and he's going to need full access, right? He's going to have, a, you know, a badge on like you went to a Kenny Chesney concert, yeah. you know, <laughs> Boise the other night. And oh. I had an f- all-access oh, yeah. deal. Oh! You know, oh! right? It said VIP, but... Then I tried to get back to go have a chat, and 
it wasn't all access. So Guerrero, Guerrero got all access. You want to so, talk to Kenny? You want to talk you know, to Kenny? Jason Light and BA and those guys. I mean, they said, okay, to get Tom, absolutely. And no, and who's going to say anything in the locker room? What teammate's going to call out Tom Brady and say, oh, he gets to have his personal guru and I don't? You know, hey, you know what? Shut the F up and just go do your job. We got to go. You know, and we're going to. We're gonna get you know win another. We're gonna win a championship with this dude. So you're gonna make concessions for for certain guys, but it can become a dis- uh, distraction. I know because everybody in the off season has their own dudes. You know their their strength coaches. Their li- those are the guys that always got sideways. It was like Roger Marandino and those guys that were the strength coaches because you know they send you home with that book and guys would leave that book in their locker and they had their own guru that they went to at at their local gym or their high school or whatever you know Frank Gore wasn't following that he was going to work out he, you know he was going to work out twenty four seven right be on the and boxing doing all that stuff that he was going to do but you know those guys got sideways but if, as long as I knew a guy and we knew guys were working out. And then it was going to benefit the guy. You know, Andrew had guys that came in, you know, to help him that he needed, you know, specialists that, that we couldn't provide. You know, Hammer and those guys, Aaron, you know, they could, they were awesome. You know, off the charts good in that training room, as you know. And But there's certain guys that can come in and, and they're specialists in different areas. So, uh, again, it's ownership, it's the GM, and, and they, you know, some of those guys draw a hard line and nope, you know, and. Sometimes I think you just gotta, you know, relax the rules at, uh, for some for some dudes. But that's because because now that Deshaun Watson has to be club appointed, you just assume that if he does get a body guru, which by the way, NFL quarterback worth a lot of money, probably gonna get some sort of mm-hmm. team, and then that person just has to get approved by the Browns, yeah, and then boom, yeah, you're allowed to work with this person. So well, that- hey Pat. Pat, so, I mean, you know as well as I know, I mean, guys and AJ, I mean, guys had got people on the road. Oh, yeah. You know, they'd find out, and, and you'd see, you know, gal getting on the elevator with her table, you know, and those out, you know who they were, and they're going up, and they're going to they're gonna get a massage, and, and, you know, I don't know how they monitor that and how they're going to control that, because that's, I mean, and that's huge. You know, my wife finally talked to me. Corey Redding had a gal in in uh, in Indy. You know, that was awesome, and he introduced her to Tina and I. And I would, I was always like dead set. No, I'm not getting a massage. Blah blah blah. You know. And then I finally did it, and it was like the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Fast Friday, you know, Fast Fridays, and we get out of the office early and go home. And and this gal, would, her name was Tony, and she was incredible. She'd come to the house. Get Tina get an hour. I get an hour, and then date night. And wow, what a Friday! Hey. What a little Friday! Yeah, huh? It was it was incredible. Oh my God, the gabagool, <laughs> you know. So, but and those are benefits. Like at the Bears, they brought in a group. You know, every every uh, Friday, and you you signed up on a deal, and they had the you know the the tables and the tarps and the draped off, and so they offered it to the players, and it was it was awesome. It's going to be interesting how they monitor. Like your point there, it's going to be interesting how they monitor that whole thing. And I, the six games could still be appealed. Do you? Obviously, you remember. Roger Goodell was the judge, jury, and executioner, right? And everybody hated it. I don't know how the coaches felt, but every player hated it because even if it wasn't a high-profile situation, 
Roger Goodell was the one everybody pointed at for every penalty, basically. Like, well, this guy fucking ruling on everything. He's the commissioner. If he doesn't like you, he can suspend you. There's no precedent. There's no ruling. There's whatever he wants to do. So they fight for this entire Sue Robinson situation. Now, we didn't know it was going to be the Honorable Judge Sue Robinson, who's a retired federal judge. But somebody wanted, like, a third party. Everybody wanted a third party. But now we're right back at the beginning. Roger Goodell can say they want to appeal it. And then he is the one hearing the appeal are we wrong in thinking that this is the exact same process as before, just with Judge Sue Robinson having to read through the thousands of pages of shit and interview the people? Well, I mean, time will tell, right? Three days. You know, Three days. Everybody, all the all the Browns fans and everybody in the Cleveland building are ecstatic because it's only six games, right? And then the rest of the world is like, are you kidding me? You know, because we give six games for a guy that, you know, uh, a BED deal, and then, um, you know, guy lets a little bit of air out of the ball, supposedly. You know, he gets four games. So everybody's going to compare all these suspensions. You know, D-Hop, you know, um, shoot, Ray Rice never played again. Yeah. You know, but I think there, there wasn't a camera in those rooms. There wasn't audio. We just got he said, she said, right? So everybody's going to assume that something happened, maybe happened, but there wasn't, you know, Ray's was just unfortunate. I mean, it was... We had a video, and everybody everybody saw it, you know. And I was on that team, uh, that same team. And you talk about a beautiful human being, and not have an opportunity to come back and play. I mean, you talk. I mean, he was he made a, a huge mistake, and it cost him his entire playing career, you know. But um, time will tell on this new process, because. It won't be long, and everybody's going to hate Sue Robinson. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that does. You, you know, what I mean, I mean, that's just that's just how that goes. And I don't know if the NFL, you guys were talking about it earlier, from a perspe- uh, perception standpoint, it's like damned if I do, damned if I don't. You know, because oh, this ain't enough. You know, so he's got to appeal because of public perception and the brand and the label, and we're making you know nine billion a year and all that stuff, and. Um, you know, so but then if you do that, you're cutting Judge Sue Robinson out basically for any future rulings, right? Not, not according to this, you know, the new CBA and how they're handling things now. I mean, I don't know. She's, she's going to be the one, and because if they, the way I understood it, say they, she came back and said no suspension. I didn't find enough to suspend him at all. No suspension. So if she ruled on that that way, to my understanding, was like there's no appeal then. You can't even appeal that because there's zero games mm. given. Fascinating. You know, so, so now there's six games. So now they got to weigh. Okay, you know, do we do we appeal this and and uh, try to get more games just from a person? You know, who's right, who's wrong, and and appease you know everybody out there that that is you know. Baltimore's if if there's no more games. That Baltimore crowd on week seven will also, they'll have their own punishment. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, and then that's just going to go, if they're going to Pittsburgh, I mean, after, do they go to Pittsburgh after that? Yeah, I assume? they steal, have Steelers week three, I believe, so they do go once. So they have Steelers at home week three? Oh, or? I don't know. Let me check. In New England, week six before the Ravens game. They'll give it to them. No. Because he won't so be there. He won't be playing. Oh. He won't they be there. So. At home. They got pit at home, Pat, the first six weeks. You know, so they got to go there. So they're going to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh will be terrible. Baltimore will be a fucking. Oh, Cincinnati yeah. will be uh, be a place where I mean, it's going to get. 
It's only going to continue to get louder. Uh, who knows what the NFL will do? We'll find out over the next three days. It's the first time that Judge Sue Robinson has ruled on anything. Seems like the public opinion is different than what her ruling is. What will Goodell do? We shall see. Go ahead, Ty. Chuck, when you look at a situation in Tampa with Ryan Jensen going out, uh, down, and we don't know, but likely he'll be out the whole year. How do you, I mean, everyone knows in a locker room and outside that it's kind of like the next man up deal, but how do you kind of steady the ship and, and make sure everything's going in the right direction and seem like the sky's not falling when you have a core guy like that go down on the first day of training camp? Yeah, and you know, A, or not B.A., but Todd Bowles, and B.A.'s in the background now, but um, I guess, what's the what's the kid's name that's already on the roster? Hain- Hain- Bob Hainsey. Bob Hainsey. So he been he's been there a year right so he's so he's been there and i see like tom came out and said hey look he's earned the trust locker now he's got to earn the center job so have they gone out and signed another guy yet no there is a couple vets out there but they've in-house have said that robert haynes is getting the first opportunity at the job yeah so that tells me that this guy has enough and he's shown enough you know in the first year you know, through practice and OTAs and things like that, that he's got enough to him that he can he can be that guy. And you got to walk in tied to that locker room as the as the head coach and both say, okay, look, this is the National Football League. Um, it's not you know if but when these things are going to happen. And we've got this dude and we've got this dude, and they're going to go compete their ass off. Uh, we've been down that road before, you know, Pat, with with that quarterback situation. Hilarious! Hilarious! Don't you know, watch practice today. Nobody, <laughs> nobody watch hey, practice today. Just fucking see you on Sundays, basically. There's no, hey, there's no excuses. We got faith in this guy. You guys have seen it. He's going to bust his ass. He's going to prepare. He'll be ready to go. And everybody's got to step their game up. You know, when something like that happens, everybody else got to step their game up. And, and again, that, that's on you guys, and, and there'll be no excuses. You know, we're not going to sit here and say, oh, boy, poor pitiful me. We lost Ryan Jensen. Who, who? He's not going to be the last guy that goes down. So it is next man up, and, and Bolsey will do a great job of, of, of selling that to that locker room, and they've got enough veterans on there that have been down this road before. And they'll, uh, you know, they'll find a way to get the job. Joey Gilbert, you know Coach Gilbert. He's the offensive line coach. By God, I got 100% faith in Joey that, you know, he'll get that kid ready or whoever's going to be ready. And, uh, that you know, guy's it, knees it, it go helps. this way. That guy's knees go this way, don't they? He, got him, fi- he got him fixed. He's like 6'3 now. No way. <laughs> him and Goody down there? Yeah, that'll you be know, but, you know, he's got, they got their hands full because losing, you know, Kappa and Marpet, you know, in the offseason, you know, that was two spots, you know, they had to, guys are fighting for to replace for those two guys, and now they got the center position as well. So um, it'll be a challenge, but they've got, uh, they got great staff and they got players there. Last question, AJ, go ahead, pal. Chuck, I just, staying with the Bucks. Julio Jones is on that roster now. Like, how do you stop this offense if you have a healthy Julio Jones, and how do you think they're going to use him? Yeah, I think so with Gronk, you know, because I think he's the possession guy, you know, right now in his in, in his career. And so you add another, to me, another possession guy and, and all that production that Brady and Gronk had in the red area. I think now you've got Evans, um, you've got Julio, and then 14's coming back. Give me 14's. Godwin. Godwin, Chris. He's coming off injury, right? So He's allegedly the guy down there, by the way. Like, whenever people talk about him in the building, they're like, when we lost Godwin, we became a much different – he's able to play everywhere. I get, he is everything at all times for them, Chuck. He's, a, he's an alien. 
Yeah. He's one of those dude, he's one of those dudes you guys talk about. He's he's the real deal, but I think um you know, it's just going to be another guy that Tom will trust. That guy's a proven guy in this league, obviously. And and I think down in the red area, I would certainly, because you put him on one side, you put, oh, yeah. you know, Evans on the other side, and you got Godwin in the slot, and you got those backs, and it, it'll, be a, it'll be a nightmare because those 50-50 balls against those, you know, 5-8, five, 5-9, five, 5-10 five, corners, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, absolutely. And good luck to you enjoying another golf round this afternoon, I assume. Your tan looks impeccable. Can't wait for another season with you. You're the best. Thank you for the time. And also, 10-year uh, Chuck Strong gala coming up. Yeah. Here we go. So congrats on, you know, kicking cancer's ass for the last 10 years, but also being a part of something that has raised millions. Hey! millions of dollars for research you're the best man keep killing it out there we we get into town tomorrow so we're there tomorrow the chuck strong gala's on on the fourth it'll be thursday over at the facility so you guys i I got tables reserved there's it there's if you guys want to show and you want to come join us and party i mean the the invites there all the stooges bring come come one come all man we're gonna have have a great time what's the dress code there is no dress code. You know that. It's tailgate gala. So it's shorts, it's nice. jeans, it's jerseys. Yeah. You know that. I tank know. top. No, no. Like tank top. I may wear a tank top. No, well, What's you look good. Hey, you still cycling, huh? You look good. Got jaw lines looking real nice. You, know, looks, you look good. Thank you. And before we hang up, congratulations to you and Sam on your anniversary, year two. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations on kicking that dumbass Corbin's ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you, Strong. Coach. All right, we'll see you soon. Uh, travel see safe to town. We appreciate you, Chuck, for going with yeah. yeah. There's only 32 of these drops, even though everybody on earth that loves the biggest league on earth would fantasize, actually, about having this job. There's only 32 of them. This man worked for the New England Patriots for... 20 years? Holy hell. Started as a scout, moved up to director of player personnel, was a right-hand man for the greatest GM and greatest head coach in NFL history, Bill Belichick. Then when he got hired in Houston, it seemed like, and this is no exaggeration, the entire building was on fire. Mm -hmm. Somehow able to maintain a little bit of steady course, got a quarterback in like the fourth round or third round that has become an absolute stud early, building up around brand new head coach, brand new offense, brand new vibe. Ladies and gentlemen, the general manager for the Houston Texans, Nick Casario. Thanks, Pat. Quite an introduction. So actually, I'd rather go back to have more conversation about what you guys were talking about, Jacksonville flying out of the sky and everything else. So, But before we get to that, just want to congratulate you on your victory against bum-ass Courtney. So that was definitely a solid effort. Thank you, Nick. And I see your last name, and I don't want to be too prejudiced, but I don't know. Did you see the Swanton Bombini? That came into effect because I took a 23andMe. Turned out I was 0.01% Italian. So I put a pinky ring on the next day, and I do the Bombini in there for all of us Italian people, you know? I'm more than 0.01, I guess, so uh, I'm probably more than 99.9, so I picked up the rest of the slack for you. All right, well, I appreciate that, Paisan. Let's get into this. Um, Jackson DeVille skydiving every single game down there is awesome. I mean, that is sweet. It is very – you're in the AFC South, so you get it at this point. You go down there, and this son of a bitch – 
is diving off the top of the... It's like, well, I wish there was more people to see this. <laughs> there is about to be. It feels like AFC South is in a little bit of a turnover, right? I mean, Jacksonville, Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Indianapolis, we got Matt Ryan now. Tennessee, I mean, they got banged up there, so they're... The AFC South, big question mark. How do you view that? I assume you view that as an opportunity, and has the last year and a half or so as general manager been everything you thought it would be? <laughs> oh, there's a lot there. Uh, as far as the AFC South is concerned, I think every year there's going to be change. There's going to be different opportunities. Players come and go. Coaches come and go a little bit. Um, I think each year, you know, everybody has to kind of look at their situation and figure out what they feel makes the most sense for their team. So, you know, Jacksonville made some changes um, on the player front. You know, we're very active in free agency. Made the change with Coach Peterson coming in. Uh, the Colts made the acquisition with Matt Ryan, who I think they believe is going to be a big part of their program. Um, and Tennessee just kind of made some changes and modifications. We're kind of around the fringes here a little bit. I mean, they're the best team in the in the division, um, the best team, you know, the best coach in the league last year and Coach Vrabel. So there's certainly challenges that we're going to face on a week-to-week basis. So, you know, each year is a, it's a new opportunity for us. We've made some changes, you know, try to take advantage of our opportunities. We're kind of, you know, a few days in here to training camp. So I think the goal is to try to just keep this thing moving in the right direction, uh, try to make some progress. Um, tying it to the other part of your question there, Anytime you go into a new situation, quite honestly, you really don't know what to expect until you get there. And you just try to make smart decisions, make right decisions, um, and just do what you feel is in the best interest of the organization. And that's what we've tried to do here since, you know, I arrived back in January of, you know, 2021. What kind of influence has Lovey Smith had on the whole team, the whole organization? He seems to be always, like, super steady, calm, but also in control. Has he had a similar thing to the rest of the team? Yeah, no, it's a very astute observation, AJ. I mean, his jump oh. shot's pretty strong, as you guys can attest. Hey, how about that uh-huh. shit? He was. Gonna, <laughs> how, I mean, that was splash splash. That was oh, yeah. strong. Yeah, that I was agree. strong. But you know, just kind of going back to your question, AJ. Lovey's got a lot of experience. Um, he's seen a lot of football. It, it's it's kind of funny. My first year in New England was 2001, um, and I was like literally the janitor, um, you know, in the building. So oh, I wasn't yeah. really doing much, but. You know, that year we played, you know, the Rams in the Super Bowl and Lovey was the defensive coordinator. So here we are, however many years later, 20 some odd years later, you know, we're running the team and running the franchise together. So Lovey's had a lot of experience um, with a lot of good teams, a lot of good defenses. He's very well respected throughout the leagues, very well respected amongst the players. And I think just that, I would say, stability with him last season and kind of continue carrying that forward to this season. Everybody kind of knows what to expect from him. And he's the same guy every day. He's got a great demeanor. Holds the players accountable. They respect that. Um, and I think they're excited to come into the building on a day-to-day basis. We're talking to Paisan GM of the Houston Texans, Nick Casario. Um, Nick, I believe we had, you know, some jokes at your expense last season. And, you know, I'm the type of guy that, you know, I have had to run into things that I've said publicly uh, two people in public. I seen Chris Pratt one week after we buried Jurassic World Dominion at a UFC fight. Mm-hmm. And I also seen Miles Teller was sitting right there next mm-hmm. to him. And me and Miles had a whole situation. So I am 100% uh, in on confronting a situation that has taken place when we have to speak every single day. When we heard you were wearing headsets during the game, I think myself and everybody's natural reaction was the GM doesn't have to have a fucking headset. If he, if he wants to have the headset on... Why doesn't he just coach as well? Where did that come from? Is that something you do on a day-to-day basis? And do you just feel like if it's something I'm good at, which is Darius Butler told us you're the one that put him through the workout whenever he went to the New England Patriots. That's true. (laughs) 
Yeah, he said it was a nightmare. He said that, he said he put it, you put him through the absolute ringer. Like, do you feel like you're more connected to the game than other GMs, and that's why you don't want to give up that part? Or how do how did that whole thing kind of come to be? You think, Nick? Yeah, it's a great question. It sounds like it was a very big topic of conversation, but I'd say my background just in football is pretty unique, uh, just going back to my days in New England. So when I started in 01, it was a personnel assistant and kind of transitioned into quality control role. So in 2002, I was in the press box for the offense, kind of charting things and doing things. And then the following year, uh, I've actually moved to the road. I was going to be on the road uh, doing college scouting, evaluating the top 100 players and we were kind of transitioning some people into the quality control role and come to find out in camp it really didn't work out um and then the first game i think we played uh i think we played buffalo in the opener um in 2003 if i remember correctly and you know there were some things that going on in the press box and i'll never forget i was actually come to coincidentally <laughs> i was at ohio state i was at the ohio state North Carolina State game when Phillip Rivers and Jericho Cotchery um, were prospects. So this is 2003. It's like the second week of September. So I get a call and they say, hey, Nick, you know, can you get to Philadelphia? We were playing the Eagles the next day in Philadelphia. I said, yeah, sure, whatever you need. You know, so I flew from Columbus to Philadelphia to go up in the press box and just assume my roles and responsibilities in terms of communicating with the offensive coordinator, getting them the information. So from 2003 until 2020, Regardless of my title or role in New England, I was essentially kind of involved in the game day operation. So, and then really when we transitioned here to Houston last season, it was really more to have an awareness of understanding of what was going on during the course of the game. So when you're evaluating a player, when you're evaluating a team, just having an idea of the play call, then you can say, okay, what's the assignment? What's this player going to do? It's really more to make mental notes and to kind of have an overview of the operation and what goes on. It's not about calling plays, but everybody kind of has an imagination of their own. Well, uh, that's awesome. I want to let you know, 100% our fault there. And that makes a lot of sense, by the way, if you're trying, because you're trying to learn these coaches too, right? You're trying to learn coaches, how can you, you can expedite things, because from 2003 to 2020, you guys are pretty fucking good up there yeah. in New England too. So I, I apologize that we didn't automatically go. Oh, that seems like the right move. Getting a chance to kind of hear things because our immediate response, because we never heard anything like this before, was, "Oh, this guy wants to do everything. Why does this guy want to do everything?" And we thought, "Oh, we, you know, that's on us." I want to let you know we fucked yeah, that one no, up. Yeah, no, believe me, no apologies. I, it's, it's you know, sometimes you just have to have context. And I would just say I'm very fortunate and to have a, a sort of a unique background, the way we kind of were developed in New England. Um, and really, it's try to look at it from an overall football perspective. And as someone that's overseeing the entire football operation. Just have an understanding of what is going on, not necessarily provide input. It's really more of an awareness and understanding. And if there's something that does come up after the game, when you kind of do a post-mortem, you can go back and kind of have a reference point. So it's really there to be more ears than necessarily be a voice. And whatever we decide to do this season, like Lovey and I have a good relationship. We talk about everything. Whatever we think makes the most sense, I'm all in favor of. Whatever the best thing for the Houston Texans, and that's what we're going to do. We apologize for burying you for that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do apologize. Thank you for laughing about it. But, I mean, we said we had some. Oh, we said some bad things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, should, we don't need to pull the tape, do we? We've said enough. We've said enough. Go ahead, AJ. No problem. No problem. If you, have, if you have that headset on, are you? Are there some times when you're more vocal than others? And are you tend to be more vocal if you guys are winning or losing? Yeah, honestly, I kind of keep my mouth shut. So it's just really kind of listening and really don't want to provide input unless it's actually if somebody asks my opinion, like then I'll provide it. Hey, what do you think about this situation? But 
and there's other teams I would say you have different people. Just Let's just take replay as an example, right? Sometimes yeah. you have somebody specifically earmarked so that another coach or a position coach or coordinator doesn't have to say, well, should we challenge, should we not challenge it? Maybe you have one person that says, hey, you know what? This is a play. You know what's not worth throwing the flag. Let's keep the flag and save the challenge so we don't lose a timeout. So I think it's going to be very it's, – it's, sometimes it's very specific, and a lot of it from my perspective is just – understanding in new england it was a more vocal because it was more communication directly to the coordinator and josh hey the down a distance what's the personnel that's in the game so they can get the play call so it all depends on what's the assignment what you're being asked to do so i'd say from my perspective it's more big picture kind of view the operation make sure we're moving in the right direction if something pops up and we talk about it after the game maybe something came up in the press box maybe a coach said something again it's really just to be uh, in tune with what's going on from a holistic approach um, from a football operational perspective. You're a Pison from Ohio. You just played football your whole life, and then uh, you, <laughs> scouting was just how you got in the door, uh, basically? Yeah, actually, I was a football, baseball, basketball guy growing up. Started playing baseball when I was six years old. Um, I wasn't good enough. I mean, look, there aren't too many 5'10", 170-pound quarterbacks playing uh, in the NFL other than maybe <laughs> Flutie back in his day. But So at some point, I was going to have to transition to something else. Um, played a little bit of basketball, John Carroll a little bit, but eventually focused on football. And then when I was finished at John Carroll, I was a finance major. I actually started working at Merrill Lynch. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go into oh. private finance, oh. be, you know, <laughs> stay involved there. So then it, it, then I realized, you know what, I'm probably, I would, my list, probably my last opportunity. If like, I want to be in football, like I'm just going to go try to find an opportunity wherever that is. So I literally drove, I made two trips in the summer of 2000, whatever it been, 2001. I drove to, or 19, whatever year that was, but I drove to Concordia University, interviewed for a GA job there in Illinois, and then I drove to Saginaw Valley State in Saginaw, Michigan, met with the head coach, literally took me six. I didn't know anybody. This was like the old footballscoop.com. You're trying to find a job. All right, hey, online. Oh, Saginaw Valley, they got a job. Let me go up there and see if I can find a job. Literally, that's how it started. So I went up there as a GA. I GA'd there for two years, was able to work on my MBA at Saginaw Valley. And then I did two two football seasons at Saginaw Valley, and then went to Central Michigan from January 2001 to June. And then Josh McDaniel's, who you know was a college teammate of mine, who's one of my close friends of this day, called me and said, "Hey, might have an opportunity for you working personnel and scouting." And quite frankly, Pat, I didn't even know what personnel and scouting was in the NFL. I'm like, oh, that sounds all right. Yeah, let me go interview. Hey, thanks I had for no the idea. Job. Oh, yeah. I had no no clue, no concept. So went up, interviewed, um, interviewed with Scott Pioli, who was the personnel director at the time. Um, I was fortunate enough to land the job and, you know, by the great, you know, I, I had the good fortune of being able to stay there from 2001, 2020, which, you know, in the NFL, it's not an easy thing to do. So very fortunate and blessed to be around a lot of good people in New England to be given opportunity from a lot of good people. How come you think the people would leave New England? I don't know how it is in front office. It's not as publicly documented, but how come you think coaches that leave New England for whatever reason, seem to trend to not do as well. Is it because you think everybody's trying to put in the Patriot way immediately and the resume isn't there yet, so it's not taken as serious from the players? And if you don't have immediate success, it's going to be hard just to be miserable at work every day. If I'm misreading the Patriot way, I apologize for that. But it feels like that's what happens when coaches leave New England and go elsewhere. Is that something you had to think about consciously whenever you were handed over the reins? Like, hey, this isn't New England, but... I just got a two-decade course in how to run the greatest franchise in history. How do you kind of blend those? And is that something you had to think about whenever you get a new job somewhere? No, it's a great question. I think the most important thing is wherever you go, you just have to be yourself. And you just have to have an understanding of the situation and the circumstances. And until you really get there, you really don't have an idea of what's happening. And 
the reality is Bill is a unicorn. Bill is one of the greatest at everything that he does, and there's only one Bill. So what you try to do, I think you alluded to in your question, you just maybe try to take some of the things that you learn and try to figure out what are some things that you might be able to apply. But you have to look at your own situation and just take inventory of what's going on with that particular team. And in the end, you just have to be true to yourself and be who you are, not try to be somebody else. And I can't really speak on what happened at other places when other people get there. And a lot of times, you know, you get in a new situation and you're young and you really don't understand the circumstances. So, you know, I was very thoughtful um, about opportunities that came up. You know, I had some different opportunities and talked to some different uh, teams along the way. Um, had a tremendous experience. You know, after 20 years, I thought it was the right time for, for myself and my family to try to maybe find something new or try something different and see if we can, you know, put together a winning program. And as you both know, like the NFL is one of the it's 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 hard as hell. I mean, it's a pain in the ass on a week to week basis. The margins are very small and it's as competitive a league as there is in the world. And it, it you have to embrace that challenge and be willing and open to say, you know what? They're probably going to make some mistakes. Things aren't going to go exactly the way that you hope, but you just got to keep working and you just got to find solutions, fix problems, and just keep moving forward. And hopefully you have enough of an opportunity to establish a program and put something in place that's sustainable for a long period of time. I think it's a great answer, and I think you guys surprised the shit out of so many people with wins last year, especially with Davis Mills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dougie you mean, Davis. You mean, you mean Dougie? Dougie, yeah. Dougie. Right? Dougie yeah. Davis Mills seems like, uh, by the way, D Mills they put on the screen. I mean, what do you want us to do? <laughs> Come on. What are you, what are you, Sorry. What do you want us to do? You know what I mean? Dougie Mills is such a good name. Uh, But he came on this show, and it seems, you know, I was very lucky to play with Andrew. I was very lucky to play with Andrew. And I think anybody that's been in the NFL around Stanford dudes knows that Stanford dudes are their own dudes. Different dudes. They're different dudes. They are. Stanford dudes are their own dudes. Not only are they super smart, but, like, Stanford recruits, like, free thinking. Like, that, that is kind of the Stanford thing. Like, the upper elite smart people, but also kind of their own free thinking folks. And they like empower that. That's almost, hey, everybody's their own thing. So when he came on the show, it felt like I was talking like, oh, this is very similar to Andrew Luck. And it's hard to not do that because, you know, Andrew's Andrew and he's his own guy. But there's no way you guys thought he was going to be that fucking guy, right? Or did you know? Because they made a big thing. Like the first pick that they, it was third round or something. The first pick they uh-huh. took was this quarterback. They liked this quarterback. They got a guy. You could have never expected him to be that good, or was that just all from scouting and talking to him, just having an understanding that he's probably going to be okay? Yeah, I think Rich Eisen lost his mind when we made the pick, but, I mean, that's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it, at the time, it's, it's a fair question. You know, we knew we were going to add a quarterback to the team regardless. You know, we had Ty here. Um, we were dealing with the Dishon situation. Um, so we knew at some point we were going to add a quarterback. And I think what you're trying to do is we were picking, I think, what, 66 or 67th, whatever it was. So there was a certain pool of players, called 50 players, that weren't going to be available. So we kind of moved on from those players. And really, you just go through the process, you evaluate the players, you assign a grade, and then you try to make the right decision that you feel makes the most sense. So in Davis's situation, you know, we had spent some time with him. Um, he actually, his workout, when you go back and watch his workout, it's kind of interesting. So it was kind of that steady rain, the kind of what, what happens out there in Palo Alto in the spring was 50 degrees. And he really didn't blink an eye. He just kind of went through his process. And he actually had a fairly productive day throwing the football. So kind of speaks to his personality here a little bit. So, you know, he had some injuries uh, that he had to deal with at Stanford. Um, but, you know, we had some relationship with some folks out there. Um, you know, Coach Shaw, you know, Pep was here, you know, at the time as well. So 
Um, it was a situation where when we went through the process, when we looked up at the board, we thought, you know what, all right, this is a player that we have some degree of conviction on. And you really, look, no one's going to sit here and tell you, you know exactly how things are going to work out. I mean, I'd be ignorant to sit here and tell you that because there's as many misses as there are hits in the draft. That's every year, every year, by the so, way. It happens every Hey, people I mean, win drafts the day after the draft. You hear that people lose drafts well, the day I after was the talking, draft. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. How you can assign a grade to a draft the day after when these players literally haven't even been in your building yeah. is like mind numbing. But we got to create content. We got to put a lot. Yeah, of yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah. I, got, I understand. Yeah. Listen to I understand. GM there. Yeah, yeah. You guys got to fucking talk about it. I guess. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's like Nick. Our our draft spectacular every year we do the first. It's our biggest show of the year every year. We know nothing about any of the guys getting drafted, nope. and we say after every guy. This guy could be a Hall of Famer. This guy could be out of the NFL. Maybe I'll tune in during the draft next year while the draft is going on. Hey, maybe you could join us. I don't yeah. know if you have a pick. I don't know after your we, pick. We can have a conversation. About yeah, that. that'd be great. Uh, last question for me before the boys have some here. And good luck. Hey, congrats on hitting on Dougie Mills. Yeah. yeah. Davis Mills. Um, so with Davis Mills, young quarterback, especially third-round draft pick, his contract is what it is. You see the trends happening around the NFL, I assume, with this cash over cap and voidable years and everything like that. How does that play into the 20 years of experience that you had having to build a team alongside Bill Belichick? And now it seems like there's much different rules to the game. You see what the Bucs are able to pull off now. Granted, you got to be able to recruit the players to do that. But they're signing guys for a lot of money at a rapid rate across the board it seems like then you look at the rams they're able to do the same thing and we talked to chris ballard here in town and he's you know it's like hey, you're gonna kick the can down the road it's gonna get you some point but it feels like right now is a time where the game is evolving and the salaries and contracts are changing do you feel that how much do you pay attention to that and do you and the salary cap guru have to talk about strategy year in year out because it feels with davis mill on that uh, small contract you could take advantage of this in the next couple years potentially no, it's a great question. You really you have to have an awareness of what's going on in the league, where salaries are going. Certain positions are more uh, impact than others. We've seen a spike in some markets relative to others. So absolutely, you need to have an uh, awareness and understanding. And at some point, you're going to have to make some level of commitment to whomever the players are. So what we try to do is kind of look at it in sort of two-year windows and two-year increments. So right now we're dealing with the 22 season. We kind of know where we are this year and then kind of thinking ahead a little bit from a big picture perspective to the 23 season. And then once the 22 season is over, then it's 23 and 24. So what we've found, what I've found is sort of useful is to kind of look at it in two-year windows and two-year increments and start to maybe think ahead a little bit. But you don't want to get too, too far ahead of yourself. Um, so in the end, it's about acquiring good players, finding good players that fit your team. There's always going to be a cost associated with doing that. So you just want to make sure that you budget and plan accordingly. And if you have to make X uh, commitment of X number of dollars, you know it's going to cost you somewhere else. So how you supplement the rest of your team, you might have to be creative. But every team has a different philosophy about how they handle it. I'd say New Orleans has been as good as any team in the mm -hmm. league of sort of doing this. Um, but eventually you're going to have to account for everything. And you just don't want to put yourself in a position where you literally have to you know, drop a grenade and blow up your entire team <laughs> because of costs associated with it. So the bottom line is we all know what the expectation is. Our job is to win. 
And we have to put the team in the best position possible that gives us the best chance to do that. Um, and it's going to come in many shapes and sizes. Excited to watch the game continue. You have a lot of money coming in Elite Eight. Yeah, no, that's fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, hey that Red Zone deal is still up, too. They're talking like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're talking like two and a half bill for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That goes right uh-huh. into the salary cap, right? That's another. The TV thing goes into the salary cap, I think. How do you. Do you guys get like, hey, this is what projected <clears throat> salary cap is, but that could be vastly different, right? With like two different deals. Absolutely. There's a projection in. I would say when you look at X number of years, okay, you, you just use an average of what normal cap growth is. All right, kind of budget that for next year. And then if there's going to be a big jump, then you might want to maybe plan accordingly. But again, you don't want to get too, too far ahead of yourself because ultimately you have to run the team. You have to try to put together a, a good team that you feel is going to be competitive and not necessarily worry about there's going to be this massive spike three years down the road. So let's harvest assets. Let's harvest cash and not put a good product out there. It's kind of irresponsible. Look at you Merrill Lynching on us right there. Uh Go ahead, AJ. I guess, uh, what's your philosophy, or how do you handle all of this? Pat and I joke about all the time, the salary cap is not real. Now, I would assume you would argue against that a little bit, but with the void years and everything they can do with contracts now and how creative you can get, are you always trying to figure out, hey, how can we make this work with these players? Yeah, no, it's a fair question, AJ. You have to budget accordingly. And ultimately, you can push it out so far. Really, you're probably, if you do a four or five year deal, your first year, year or two, or you're, it's going to be palatable. You're going to be able to basically take on just about anything. But you want to try to, I would say, have sort of a flat salary structure. So, you know, your best players typically, you know, those are going to be probably some of your higher paid players. And then how you supplement the rest of the team and the rest of the roster. Ultimately, it's going to be philosophically what you believe in. So you know you're going to have X number of, call it minimum, rookie contracts come on your team on a year-to-year basis. You're going to kind of have some contracts there in the middle, and then you're going to have some contracts at the top end of the kind of the upper echelon. So you want to try to keep some level of balance, and at some point, if you want to make a massive commitment, okay, it's going to come at the expense of, let's say you make a big commitment to one player, could come at the expense of three or four players. Okay, how is that going to affect the rest of your roster construction and your team and your overall depth? So that's just philosophically a, a discussion that you have to have with the with the important parties. So myself and Lovey would have to have that discussion. So I think from our perspective, it's trying to be fiscally responsible, but take advantage of opportunities when they're there. And if we feel like there's a situation where we want to go ahead and make a big commitment to a player because we think he can really help us, then we'll go ahead and do that. If not, then we just move on to the next group and just have confidence in the people that you have in your building. Talking to Nick Casario, general manager of the Houston Texans, uh, 99.9% Italian. Mm-hmm. Love Italians. Huge. My parents <laughs> might get mad at me that I'm not 100% because we're like my mom – my mom is 100% Italian. My dad's 100%. So yeah. I guess me, I, I kind of gifted you the 0.1%. <laughs> uh, well, I want to let you know, you should have heard my dad's thoughts. You know, he's 100% Irish when he heard I was 0.01% Italian. <laughs> that was certainly something. Uh, it was probably a, a nice conversation. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. The Irish and the Italian always have great rapport. Um, so I remember Casserly, right? He was GM of the Texans. He took Super Mario Williams. Uh, we're losing you there. Running out of time? Oh, no. Oh, is that gosh. us or you? No, is we it, got 10 minutes. Is that us? Shows. We apologize. Uh, all right. Mine says nine, it says nine minutes, so I think we're okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so we'll run it down. We'll run the shot clock down. Casserly got fi- allegedly. Now, who knows what's real, what isn't, but this was like the, I think, landmark conversation about this. Casserly drafted Super Mario Williams over Reggie Bush. 
He drafted Super Mario because he went out and said, "Hey, we got to tackle Peyton Manning. Like th- we are, we are in the same division as Peyton Manning. I'm trying to beat Peyton Manning." Do you have that same philosophy? Because you win your division, you're in the playoffs. And right now, is it like Derrick Henry? Is that who you try to prepare for? Or how do you go about preparing to win your division? Or are you just trying to build the best team you have? Yeah, I think that's probably the better way to look at it, Pat. I mean, look, every team has good players. So every week it's going to be somebody different. So it's Taylor one week. It's Taylor and Matt Ryan. It's Hines. It's Pittman. That's one week. Okay, then you go down to Jacksonville. You're going to have to deal with Trevor. Um, you know, at least offensively, and in Tennessee, you're going to have to deal with Derek, and then on the other side of the ball, you got you know Jeffrey Simmons, who's as big a badass as there is in the league. So, again, it's not you're not going to necessarily pick one player to try to combat one particular player. We know what the competition is in the AFC South. Everything has to go through the AFC South, so you have to be good in your division. By the same token. You want to try to put together as comprehensive a team as possible that's going to give you a chance to succeed regardless of the opponent whom you face. So we know what the South entails, and then each week, you know, each, this year, we have the AFC West, and we have the NFC East. Oh. So there's good players. Oh, that I mean, AFC West. Oh. Oh. Yeah, there's good players all over the league. I mean, look, you guys have were in the league long enough to know that. I mean, every team has good players, so you have to prepare each week for that uh, opponent. Um, and so our philosophy is just try to put together the best team that we can, not necessarily make it about one player, understanding that we're going to face challenges every week. Uh, Boston Connor, who is a mass hole, by the way. Yeah, Nick, you know, thank you for bringing, you know, five Super Bowls to New England and also being there for eight. But you mentioned you shortchanged me on the sixth one. I was there for all six. Oh, oh, oh you said 2001. I thought you were the janitor, Nick. What the hell? Thanks for six, then. Jeez. I, I didn't count in 01. I was like nothing. Don't worry about that. Actually, yeah, I'll give you guys this that first year. My job was to write down everything that uh, John Madden was saying and then run it into the press box because sometimes, you know what it's like, they share, coaches share with different people. So my job was to run in the press box John and say, hey, here's what Madden's talking about. So John Madden I didn't really have a play card. So in all fairness, we'll, we'll just stick with five. Then. No, no, so six. John, hey, John Madden just gave away our entire third down. <laughs> <laughs> our entire third down. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, go on. Yeah, Nick, but uh, speaking of commitment to players, uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa actually just buried his own quarterback. Kind right of. Af- kind of. Right after a Extending him though to like a forty million dollar <laughs> guaranteed extension. Uh, how hard is it for like first year GMs to stay committed to players that they didn't actually pick for their team? No, it's a great question. You really you have to be fair. You don't want to jump to any conclusions. You want to, everybody has a blank slate from the beginning. So, would do you have a? Is that real? Runner? Is that real uh, though? I would. I would say from. I don't want to speak for anybody else, Pat, but I would say from my perspective, try to be fair and rational and reasonable and. You don't want to – look, if a guy's a good player, he's a good player. And if he thinks he fits what you're doing, then you're going to find a way to keep him around. So I would say philosophically that's our approach and perspective. But anytime you go into a new situation, there's always a propensity to say, well, you know what, this group, this player was drafted by somebody else. Like, that's okay. Like, if, it, if he's a good player and he fits what you're doing and he has – you know what you want in your program then that's okay that's a credit to the people that drafted him so i think just being fair and being rational being reasonable and kind of giving everybody kind of a a fair chance from the beginning and then ultimately we're going to make the decisions that we feel make the most sense for for our team and you know we've tried to be consistent with that and hopefully that's what we're going to continue to do you know moving forward as well i've heard you know some gms that maybe get brought in uh 
that didn't draft a player have said like, hey, there's no loyalty between us. I did not draft you. I've just heard that GMs have said that in contract negotiations before. It, it, Pat, it, unfortunately, that actually does happen, but it's yeah, not I'd really say. fair to the player. Uh, I mean, really, yeah, you have to just kind of be you know, open-minded <laughs> and just look at all the information and not kind of have a jaded opinion because about because that's really not a way to negotiate. I mean, look, you know you're going to have to negotiate with <laughs> multiple agents, and sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes you're going to sign the player. Sometimes you're going to choose to go to another team. We just move on to the next player, understanding that it's a, that's the nature of the business, and there's no hard feelings, at least from, from our perspective. That's kind of how we try to approach it and handle it. Hey, Nick, last question here. We can't thank you enough for your time. Go ahead, Ty. Nick, Pat alluded to it earlier how – externally when you first got the job it kind of seemed like the building was on fire and i'm sure it was different internally but was there any was there ever a point when you first got there after having so much success in england where everything kind of just seemed like really daunting it was like oh shit i maybe i did make a mistake kind of coming here and i should have just waited for a different opportunity yeah no it's a it's a great question i would say not at all i would say anytime you go into a new situation you know that you're going to face challenges and whatever they are honestly you just have to deal with them head on and just try to process the information and just make good decisions so each situation is different there's no ideal situation that you're going to walk into anytime you go into a new situation whether it's a new head coach or new general manager they're making a change for a reason so your responsibility is to go in embrace the challenge accept that it might be difficult but that's okay so i think you have to be mentally tough um you know you have to be mentally tough as a player you have to be mentally tough as a team builder understanding that you're going to face challenges and again going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier it's not easy like this league is hard as hell like on a week-to-week basis so just as long as you understand that you can't get flustered you try to just maintain some level of civility and understand just try to be consistent day to day and sometimes things will go the way you hope. Other times they don't. You know what? Make a decision, move on, and go on to the next thing. And that's the only way you're going to build something that's sustainable for, for a long period of time. I've been incredibly impressed here. Not that, that my opinion means shit, but you seem like a human. You know, you're coming out of that robot operation new england down to houston which has seemed to be on fire there's a lot of different times you could be incredibly jaded and a little bit of an asshole and i think everybody would understand you seem like a good guy hey and we want to let you know we appreciate the hell out of your time here last thing before i let you go i appreciate that pat you should have known by my wrestling comment that you know i'm just an everyday guy (laughs) and and, and, and by the way i mean Uh That means something. You know what I mean? That means something. But uh, did Bill say anything to you when you took the job? Like any like motivational, like on your way out, a text message, a call or anything as you took this job becoming a GM for the first time in your life? Yeah, no. We actually, um, when I flew to Houston uh, and then I went back to New England, I had the opportunity to talk to him face to face. We had a great conversation. Bill's always very supportive of the people that work for him. And I think if you are loyal, you do a good job, you work your ass off for him. Um, he, he respects that and he appreciates that. And I'm thankful and, and grateful for the opportunity that he provided to me. He didn't know me from Adam, but he gave me a lot of responsibility and I was able to work in concert with him for a number of years. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. So I think it's important, I, you know, really it's when you leave a situation, you just go somewhere and just do the things that you believe in that you think are right. 
Um, and he's always going to be supportive of that. I have a good relationship with him. Matter of fact, I saw him over the summer. Um, we've talked periodically, you know, different points, um, you know, on different players. So I have a lot of respect and uh, appreciation, admiration for, for what he did for myself and my family, along with the rest of the Patriots organization. But, you know, once we kind of go our separate ways, like he understands that we have a job to do here and we're going to do what's best for the Texans, just like he's going to do like he has for however many years for the Patriots. Well, I can't wait to watch you. It's a damn shame. <laughs> You know, you're in the AFC South, but, I mean, Matt Ryan, hey, just, I, I just I don't want to give it too much away because of competitive balance and advantage. Saw Matt Ryan throw about 92 yards yesterday. Wow. wow. Yeah, maybe get your defense. Holy maybe get shit. your DBs off. Have them sit. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Watch over uh, top, Sarah. We put that You heads. sure, like, Jax DeVille didn't, like, grab it out of the air? No, 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 no. <laughs> Move it Blue. down the field a little well, bit? Blue actually cream pied. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The football. Yeah, football. And then they threw it. Ladies and gentlemen, the general manager of the Houston Texans. And we appreciate the hell out of your time here, man. Have a great camp. Have a great season. Nick Casario. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thanks. Do you have two things, AJ? What? Yeah, brown rice. No, no, he, no. Maybe it added brown rice in there, mm -hmm. or um, I think white rice is actually worse than brown rice. Oh, really? But um, yeah. When he was drinking those diesels, that's, right. right? yeah. that's a cheat day for you, right? Did you eat pizzas what? that day with Lordo? Uh, no. I would just drink beers out of the cup. Do you, no big deal. Do you have cheat days or no? Uh, I kind of used to do that, like, officially, like, oh, okay, I'm going to eat whatever it be, you know, I don't know, Sunday night or whatever. And I don't, I don't like, officially do that, no. Mm. And I don't have, like, this is my specified time. I just eat how I eat, and then, oh, if we're ordering pizza tonight, cool. And I want it, I'll do it. <laughs> but you never want it. This guy, he gets so defensive. Yeah. I love pizza. No, I'm just saying, like, I don't, there's no, same with my workouts. Like, I don't need a detailed plan. Like, how about I just do it? I just live and see how I feel. And yeah, yeah, but your workouts probably have a similar look to them. Yeah, we'd sure. Assume. Seriously. I wouldn't know. Well, you do know because you're going to call Cheesecake Factory and you're going to yeah. order, I need 10 grilled chickens, yep. three things of white rice, what? Mm -hmm. some broccoli. What? And what do you fucking slobs want? Uh, some baby corn dogs. Do you have baby corn dogs? Never heard of those. Jeez. Do you have that? that? That's what you're going to do every day, though. So, like, that's why we're asking, you know. Words. Yeah, I, I eat plenty of, of, like, yeah, I love pizza. I've told you a million times. Pizza, Pepsi, Mountain Dew is all amazing. I, don't, I would never cut that completely out. Super Pets last night. I had some popcorn. What? And a big Mountain Dew. Nice. How was that? Found it's a really good movie. You see it again? No, this was... Was that last night? Yeah. What was last Wait, week? What pa movie? Pause, Pause of Fury. Pause of yeah. Fury. Last week was supposed to be Super oh, Pets. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was right. Pause of Fury. Richard Gervais movie, vastly different. Didn't get into it. <laughs> Ended up at... Nope. Nope. Mm -hmm. Didn't make it through that entire thing either. Sure. Yesterday, the wife and I, a little celebration post-SummerSlam and uh, pre-anniversary, we go see Super Pets. Okay. <laughs> go see Super Pets. Is that animated? Sick. Yeah, it's animated. Dude, It's pets are talking. What do you... <laughs> John Krasinski. <laughs> what do you think? You think it's real? What do you, I mean, it's animated, obviously. The Rock is a dog. <laughs> okay, maybe I might have to go to... I'm, I would imagine my kids would like to see that once they hear about it. How old are your kids? 11, 9, 6, and 5. Love it. They'll love it. Losers. They'll absolutely love it. They didn't keep me around. I mean, I went Marks. to sleep 10, 15 minutes in after chugging a 
700 ounces of Mountain Dew or yeah. whatever Ooh. the small was. Uh-huh. Yeah. The oh, small yeah. was like 44. a big, Then I ate, <laughs> ate an entire thing of popcorn and had a Snickers ice cream bar. Uh-huh. And then you fell asleep? Fell asleep, yeah. So this movie's terrible. No, no, it's good. It's not for no, us. that'll put you to sleep. This movie's not for us. Yeah, the crash afterwards, but I didn't even get to ride the wave of the up. It was like, hmm. I was still exhausted from SummerSlam. Of course. You're saving the theaters, though. You probably spent about $200 on those concessions. It yeah. was $75 to get in there. Uh-huh. And the guy, classic, anybody tell you you look like Pat McAfee? I said, literally all the time. He goes, it makes sense. And he walked away. <laughs> Beast. I was like, all right, dude, see. And then as we were putting salt to add on to the popcorn mm-hmm. at the end of the thing, I saw him showing a picture to somebody else that works there oh, and then pointing at me and going, I already asked him. And then walked away. And he was like, well, you didn't ask me. You actually right. just uh-huh. said, anybody ever say you look like him? And whatever photo you showed, I I had a black tank top on. <laughs> same same outfit. This is exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was wearing. It's all I have. No, he's wearing his costume, too. Uh, yeah, this guy. Is that. You, you look. Why are you dre- What's cosplay Pat McAfee doing here? He is him. <laughs> Going to watch Super Pets, dude? I did. He is risen. I fell asleep 15 minutes into that thing, and then I woke up. I don't know how long my nap was. I don't know how long the movie was. I think that movie's hour 45 minutes or whatever. They don't start movies though until 20 minutes after it started. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, was there another uh, like 15-minute cartoon again or no? So we came in 15 minutes after. Oh, so okay, we thought cool. we were showing a plate. We thought we were beating the game. Not even started yet. It was a full Regal movie theater commercial yeah, happening. Classic. Uh-huh. And then it was, twenty. I think, 22 minutes after the scheduled start time did it actually start. Yep. Probably got some shitty trailers because it was a kid's yeah, movie. Kid's movie, yeah. Because yep. it's 15, 20 of those trailers. We missed them all. It was all. We With the lay down seats, though, if you have the reclining seats, I mean, that's the greatest nap you could take. Yeah, it was awesome. And then, obviously, I woke up to my wife with a massive flash taking the photo. <laughs> I thought I thought something was happening in the theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought, you know, the yeah, lights yeah, came yeah. on. That's yeah. all bright. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You look peaceful there. It looks nice. Like what? a nice little rest. That was half a second before what, <laughs> what's going on. We were in a movie theater. Why is my... Why is there a massive flash happening yeah. in my face? And then she was just laughing in my face. I'm like, well, good morning. <laughs> She's like, you didn't miss much. You can still catch up. And then I started tuning back in. And then, oh, I don't know. They're going this angle with this movie. Oh, different angle. <laughs> went back the other, yeah. the other way. Went back the other way. So did you catch like the end of it or anything? We left early. We did leave yeah, early. Okay. But I got it. I understood it. The Rock's cool dog. Rock's cool. What kind of dog? Well, he's not from here. So what an alien! So it's space dogs. He is space dog. What super dog? Kevin Hart, street dog. Okay. Actually, house dog. Okay, okay. Turned street dog. (gasps) He gets kicked out of his house. Yeah. Real sad. Real sad. I was awake for that. Real sad. Real, real, real sad. What happened? Real. The parents die. Those owners should be killed. No spoilers. Did he bite the kid in the face? No, the nothing bad. Be. Kevin Hart dog actually was a good dog. Just yeah. got caught up. All dogs wrong, are good dogs. Wrong spot. Not all dogs are good dogs. You, some dogs get taught to be bad dogs, and it's normally the, it's always the person that's teaching the act. That exactly. Dog, as opposed to just the dog. But nonetheless, Kevin Hart dog, street dog, pound dog. Okay. Oh, no. oh, so he goes to a home, and then the home says, we don't want this dog. It's worth. It's, I think it's probably <laughs> a good movie. Mm, I don't. I was just coming out of SummerSlam. Yeah. Super Pets. I was tired. It was very dark. I don't think Super it's not I'm sure all the boys are going to run to the theater and see it. Well, that's the thing. It's not nope. about. It's not for us, though, AJ. That wasn't for me. Okay. It's How getting, old am I? It's getting a good rating on Raw Tomatoes. <laughs> am I 35? Yeah. 35. 
So what are you like? Thirty years. Thirty years past that. It sounded like you were really asking for for real. I did. I didn't know there for a second if I was thirty-four. I was just doing the math in my head. Eighty-seven plus two five. It wasn't for us. Okay. Wasn't made for a. So it's for like young kids and old senile people. I don't know. I never watched a Disney movie. I know nothing about any of this. Of course, it's not for us. What do you mean? It's an animated movie with animals. Yeah, but I watch animated movies. Like, I'll watch animated movies. You usually don't go to the theaters for those, though. Those are at the house. Yeah, you're right. Those are at the house. Pixar movies, though, to be fair, are animated movies for young people and adults. Because they have adult humor in it that the young people don't understand. Well, I just wanted to go support The Rock. Of course. Sure. So I did. Thank you. When's Black Adam coming out? I'll support him then. Well, allegedly, Black Adam made an appearance last night. What? In that movie my wife and I went to see. (laughs) Really? I I did not see Black Adam, and neither did my wife. It was at the end credits. Scene. Ah, we yeah. oh. uh, should have been. I'm sorry, Rock. That's on me. So what was he telling people after that? Hey, if you like me, go see Black Adam at the end of that trailer. He didn't see it. I, I have no idea. Like TC uh, coming I, in before Maverick? How'd you hear about it? What's that? Uh, how'd you hear about it? The Rock posted a screenshot of it oh, on his Instagram. Yeah, of it him. Said, hey, if you've seen Super Pets, stick around. Number one movie in the country, by the way. Stick around afterwards for post credits. That I thought about three and a half Terramon is in. Mm-hmm. Ah. And it was Black Adam and uh, I believe Soups staring each other down. Soups, okay. Superman, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soups. Superman is in this movie too? Yes. Yeah. What are you talking about? What are you Who shortened his name? Soups? Yeah. Well, Soups dogged it. Soups dog shortened Superman's name to Soups. If you've ever seen the show The Boys, they call superheroes Soups. So there's Soups right there. And then that's Guy the Dog. That's the dog. That's Anubis. What? That's that's Black Adam's dog. Ah, sweet. What? Is, what? So, Soup's dog, The Rock. Soup is The Rock. Superman, Superman is in this movie? Is the this human. pets movie? Superman will go as Soup's from now on while describing story. Okay. No, no. Soup's is from another country or another planet. Plan- yeah, Krypton. Krypton. Soup's dog also from Krypton. Krypton. Soups and dog tag team back, back again. again. Hey, 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 make some noise. He's in the house at home. Toys hit party over here. Dog over there. That's kind of what it was. Okay. Is they were like a tag team through it all. Okay. Early, and it's not a spoiler because you'll see it in the first minute of the movie. It's okay. You can spoil it. No. No, no, no. no I won't spoil it. But to be honest, I wasn't awake for enough to spoil it. But <laughs> the first couple minutes, they're. They're painting the story that although Superman does save the day a lot, Super Dog also massive part of it. So oh, okay. at one point, Soups yes. and Dog holding hands like this, mm-hmm. head down, <laughs> so a train can continue that lost rails. Oh, nice. So Over soup, the oh. dog in Soups? In Soups, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're like, hey, soup's, soup's, dog. soup's dog also helps it's kind us. kind of unrealistic. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because once you understand dog. they're from crypto, which is another place, they have these. They have the ability to do it. Crypto.com. Hey, you're thinking of basic-ass yeah. Planet Earth dogs. Okay? Exactly. And Planet Earth dogs are the best. The compassionate, the empathy, the, the loyalty, Fine. the love, the everything that Planet Earth dogs yes. have. Mm-hmm. Soup's dog from another planet has that. And then also the ability to, like, fly. Yeah, superpowers. Yeah. Super pet. Spider pig. So this is one of those movies where all the different characters from all the different like universe universes are together. Avengers. It's a DC movie. You bozo. Yeah, I didn't know. The Someone said Pixar. Pets. 
No, Connor said. What does Pixar. DC mean? Does DC mean they have all the superheroes together? It means no. Pixar oh, collectibles. That's not clear enough the whole time. For the record, DC's like Batman and Superman. Okay, yeah, Marvel's like yeah. the whole thing. Everybody knows that. Oh, yeah, okay. they do. <laughs> Anyone with a brain. How many different studios you want to name? Oh, well, just you know, DC and Marvel. Just okay. two. Bob Evans. Am I? <laughs> That's Paramount. That guy. That guy's That's the first the time I've seen. Is he in anything else? I don't know who. I just who want to know he? the real Bob Evans. The actor, for sure. What The actor needs to be in every movie I watch going forward. Did he start The Breakfast Place? Go on. Bob Evans. Do you guys know what Bob Evans yeah, is? Yeah, I've heard of Bob Evans. Oh, yeah. It's just in Ohio. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? You remember when you said that on this yeah, show? They're, yeah, they're just in Ohio. Yeah, yeah we want that in Ohio. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you guys ever heard of it. Bob yeah. Evans? 797 locations. <laughs> you I don't ever assume. I don't assume it's <laughs> everywhere. You Ohio people are the fucking best, dude. Let's get... To, anyways, worth a watch, I think. Super okay, pets. no chance. You saw three minutes. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was McAfee Movie Review. <laughs> Where this sec lives on. Yeah. Seg lives on. Going strong. I may say, I'll send a text to Sam if I really want to know what happened to the movie, I guess. She was paying attention, I think. I woke Every time I woke up, she was definitely watching. Locked and, in. And then I was that asshole. Did I, did I miss it? <laughs> <laughs> did I miss anything important? You know, she, did I miss anything important? Hey, can you tell me something that'll make whatever's <laughs> happening on the screen right now make some sense to me? Yep. And uh, by the time... She even tried to give an effort. I was probably back out anyways. I mean, it was tough in there. Those, we got a really comfortable recliner. Yeah. Not all of them are comfortable in there. There's some shoddy uh, yeah, ones. Yep. The one we got was pretty good. Let's go Game back to the phones here. <laughs> Dude, Trey Lance. Oh. I understand why all the hype's coming out of San Francisco about him. Yeah. Now, we have no idea what any of it means. We have not seen him be a starting quarterback in the NFL uh, throughout an entire season. Obviously, a team forfeited a lot of their future to invest in him to become their quarterback, and he did not have a lot of football in his day before he got drafted number three overall when we thought Mac Jones was going to mm -hmm. go. But you listen to George Kittle. You listen to Lynch. You listen to Shanahan. You listen to a lot of the leaders of that team. They're like, hey, it might take a little bit. Let's say oh, Trey Lance is going to be a young quarterback. He's going to have to find his bearing. But we think we got a guy, Josh Allen-esque. Mm -hmm. Met with Josh Allen, tight end university. So much so that Jimmy G is still getting paid by the Niners. You work out in the morning. Don't come into the locker room. Like we, this is Trey's team. We don't want to confuse anybody. We apologize, Jimmy. This is how it's going to go. That situation is still cooking. Debo Samuel signs a deal, knowing Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback. I think that's also another compliment to Trey Lance that a wide receiver wants to remain there. In this clip that came out of camp, AJ, mm. we're talking about just flick of the wrist, off balance, cross body. Hi, hi. He's going to be a guy. Dart. He's going to be a guy, isn't he? I mean, it sounds like he's going to be a guy. Yeah, I mean, there's, they, there's a reason that they did give up a lot of the future to go after him because he has these crazy tools physically and seems like he's doing everything right. Man, what a throw. What a great catch, though, too. That yeah, catch yeah. did not go unnoticed. Incredibly insane catch. Both uh, one knee downs worth two feet. Ended up cradling the ball, keeping it up. But one leg off balance, three-quarter release, it looked like, right? Mm -hmm. Like a three-quarter yeah. release, mm -hmm. just a little flick. And this is similar to the shit that we saw him do last year that was incredibly talented. The cross-field throwbacks where yep. he could throw the ball forever. I think Shanahan ha obviously has a lot of confidence in his ability to coach quarterbacks. Everywhere he's been, he's been successful. And he's never had anybody like Trey Lance, I think, is what he's thinking. 
And that team around him, very fucking good. Debo, Debo signed back. Lynch is still there. Uh, I'm sorry, Kittle's still there. The defense still got dogs all mm. over the place. They've been in the NFC Championship. They've been in the Super Bowl in the last few years. Trey Lance is really all eyes on whether or not he's going to be able to perform. And it feels like he's handling it all very well, AJ. Yeah, it really does. And I think I, I've said a million times on here before, Kyle Shanahan is the guy to do that. Like, if we want to know if Trey Lance is a player, Kyle Shanahan absolutely, I think, will put him in the best possible situations for like what his the best like his skill set may be. And I think the problem is like Trey Lance can do everything. It seems like Wh- whatever yeah. you want to do with him, I feel like he kind of has the athleticism, the arm strength, and everything evolved to actually like okay. What offense you want? Yeah, I got it. Whatever you need, I got you. What is Shanahan going to fucking drop? He had a tackle pulling last year. Exactly. Remember that? Yes. I, yeah, I know because I put myself in that those defensive players' shoes and thought, oh, this would not be fun watching this big dude full speed ahead coming right at me. What's he going to do with a quarterback that like is built to move and then yeah. also has a – because the guys that can move and then have cannons, mm-hmm. that's explosive play city. Yeah. Like that's how explosive plays happen. And I know some of them are off script and shit like that, but coaches can set that type of shit up mm-hmm. to happen more likely. You know, like Andy Reid in Kansas City's been able to do it. Hey, we're gonna drop these routes where if we get a little bit of an extension of the play with Patrick Mahomes ability to either run backwards or out there, there should be some guys open real deep so we can get some explosives out of this thing. Like I'm very excited to watch the Shanahan brain operate with this modern style quarterback. Like legit Shoot excited for that right now. Well, and how often, too, does a team that go to the NFC Championship change their quarterback and then still... I mean, I think they're plus 1,600 to win the Super Bowl. Like, the sports books, we always talk about how they know, and if something's going on, they're probably the ones that are first to it. And the Niners still have pretty low odds for a team with a new quarterback with a guy that's never played an NFL game. I guess he started one game and never really had his own team, his own season. So Built uh, around him. Built around him for him. And you know, Shanahan's creative, and that was a part of the Debo Samuel conversation, because Debo wide out, slot God, and then he was also running back and getting the ball in the run game. We were told, remember this, AJ, I said, very loudly, if they're going to pay him to run, he'll run. Like, this is the them saying that Debo doesn't want to play running back anymore because he doesn't want to have those hits. He doesn't want to live the life of a running back. He's seeing what wide receivers are making. He thinks his life would be a lot better that way. And we understand that thought and narrative. But also, one X factor of Debo Samuel is the fact that you can put him fucking anywhere. Like, that's what makes him an absolute weapon. And I said from the beginning, if they're going to pay him to play running back, I assume he'll do it. If they're not going to pay him to play running back, the right business move would be, well, we're not fucking doing it then. Turns out incentive base, he is getting paid if he ends up playing running back. In case the 49ers continue to use wide receiver Debo Samuel as a running back, he has incentives in his new contract that could pay him an additional $2 million, $1.95 million over life of contract for rushing yards and rushing TDs per sources. So everything's handled business-wise, money-wise. I think we all kind of knew that, even though everybody was telling you know, us, we were wrong about this and the Goodell stuff and everything else. You know, I hope you guys got good pops in a moment, you know, because I had nothing to defend myself at the time, okay? Because everybody else is doing it. But every once in a while, we can piece some shit together. And normally, by the way, it revolves around money. That is, that is literally, uh, that's, I think AJ and I understand that more than anything because we potentially have been in there and seen it happen. But if the money's right, motherfuckers will do whatever. Go ahead, Tone. So the uh, details on that, he gets 650 grand if he has 380 or more rushing yards in a season. Uh, he gets 150 grand uh, for three or more rushing touchdowns. Jeez. 
And then at the bottom, he maxes out 650 per year. There it is. There's the money for the running back. I mean, three Todd, three rushing touchdowns. That might be the first week. Yeah. Those, uh, those shotgun pop passes. Yeah. 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 Boom. In there. Shanahan's like Lint to Lynch. Listen, we need him to keep doing the running back thing because when he's doing that, it's a clusterfuck, and then when he lines up everywhere, yeah. like, well, let's fucking pay the guy. Can we pay the guy? Can we just pay the guy? And uh, we tried to. Dondi was like, nah, no running back, no, no running chance. back. What if we had another like two million dollars on anything? No wide receivers making that. Let's see what they say. Dondi, what do you think? Absolutely not. Ask Debo. Yeah, I'm with it. Right. <laughs> That's what I thought. Thank you. Let's put that thing in there because it is Debo and Kittle are so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, and they're so tough to think think of. If you're def- uh, defensive coordinator. How will we defend this offense? What are we going to do? Especially if Trey Lance comes in and starts lighting up right away, misdirection like. I don't. Yeah, it's it's a cool mixture of like Debo is such a physical downhill runner too when he has the ball in his hands. Like, oh, I mean Kittle, yeah, like they're just they have game changers all over the place. So you know, who they have pulling? Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Trent Williams. So you get that pop pass, but you keep it, and you got Trent Williams pulling this way, and then Kittle pulling with Debo this way. Yeah, and then you got Trey Lance pulling with Williams, and then Kittle and Debo going this way. Like, what? Look at AJ's face. Yeah. AJ's, Have fun. <laughs> look at AJ. Because I mean, he's thinking about reading the guards and fucking. Yeah, that's because that's happening at the exact same. You're gonna time. be playing in your, like it'll and it forces you too with all this to. You're never like all in on the run or pass. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh wait. Oh, oh, oh. I I took a half. I took a half second to try to diagnose this play, and now Trent Williams in my face, running me over, and Debo is running over my face too. Or like you said, oh, I'm selling out on the run. Bam, he's behind me. Now we all look stupid. How do we stop him? And they can, if it, the pop pass, the motion just automatically gets eyes. And if he ends up just pulling it back, then he can run that yeah. or, or pass yeah. it yeah. or throw it. Or there's even a pitch out of that mm-hmm. thing. So you got literally like five options going both ways there. Shanahan's going to be fucking with everybody. And that's, that's just acting as if Trey Lance isn't a great pocket passer yet. Right. That can maybe cerebral. This is us just thinking like, hey, if he doesn't know shit about fuck, just natural athletic ability, there is so many yeah. options already for them. And that, hey, that little, I mean, he was on one leg there. Did yeah. you see that shit? Oh, he was yeah. on one leg running left, three-quarter flick, basically right on the money, what, 45 yards yeah. on the field. Yeah. He's plus 4,000 with MVP. You can still get him at, too. Didn't he have a... That's a fucking filthy yeah. ball. Finger injury or hand injury, too, last finger, year? Finger. Broken yeah. finger. Yeah. That, uh, Shanahan said um, he had to adjust to a broken finger on how he was throwing the mm-hmm. ball, so we had to battle through that. Oh, that, it sounds like Shanahan firmly in the Trey Lance camp, and he's going to have to be. They traded away a lot to go up and yeah. get him. Well, and they have one of the... They had, like, one of, if not the best rookie running back last year, Elijah Mitchell, so if they are doing, like, the... RPOs. It would be with Kittle and Debo, either Debo in the back or in the backfield, or Debo split out wide, and then it's either Kittle, <laughs> Debo, or hand it to him or keep it. Yeah, there's options. It's insane. Man, what if he's running like Josh Allen next year? I yeah. think that's probably his floor. Right? Is like yeah. that Josh Allen's uh, year where he he wasn't the greatest in terms of like passing from the pocket, yeah, but yeah. he yeah yeah, but yeah. he was. 
you know, anytime he got in space, he's fucking jumping over linebackers and shit. And- hey, did you see him get into a big fight this weekend? Hey. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Josh Allen doesn't like his teammates. His teammates <laughs> didn't go to Josh Allen's birthday party. No. Nope. Some D-tackle felt comfortable enough to push Josh Allen in the middle of a practice. Now, first of all, this is two times I've seen Josh Allen run with the ball. One, he ended up on his stomach. The other time, he ended up in a fight. So I don't know if uh, we need to keep doing this one here, <laughs> McDermott. But also, I love this. This is training camp. First day of pads. Everybody's already miserable. There's goal line happening right here. So this is head-to-head combat. It doesn't matter how many guardians you got on there. This is uncomfortable times. I like that Josh got fired up. I like that the boys got fired up. And I appreciate the fact that Josh is literally just one of the guys. Didn't act like a little bitch and just got in his face and said, hey, fuck (laughs) off, pal. I love everything about this, AJ. Of course. And you love his O-lineman coming in right off the bat and everyone coming from the side and jumping. I don't know if. Some guys are messing around or not when they're jumping on the I pile think so. like that. Yeah, I'd assume they're jumping on and fucking around. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I hate like you. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure McDermott loved it. I mean, coaches don't want, like, of course, stay away from the quarterback. But, yeah, Josh Allen, he is in firm control of that team. And I feel like everybody loves that dude. Well, and also, I mean, they're doing goal line with the quarterback doing lead. Yeah. ISOs. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what it is. <laughs> the D lineman had to be like, what are we doing here? You're this, <laughs> what? Not allowed to hit the guy? <laughs> not allowed to hit him. But also, what am I supposed to fucking do? I guess the guy that hit him, uh, eight-year or nine-year vet, was with the Bills before, then was with the Cardinals for a year, now he's back with the Bills, been around. Because my immediate thought was like, oh, who hit hit Josh? You know, it had to be a young guy. Was it? Like, nine-year vet, been around. Phillips, I think? Yeah, Jordan Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, I think? Nine-year vet, and he's only 29, too, so he's been... Been in the game a long time. Yeah. But goal line, quarterback sneak, training camp. First day of pads. I mean, that's kind yeah. Of you got to work it. I understand fun. you got to work on it, and you want to block it. But I don't know if you want Josh Allen running that one. Yeah. I like though that Josh was like, "Oh no, no, fuck oh, yeah, no, we ain't doing that." Give me the. He ball. should put his head down next time and run multiple people over. That wouldn't get people upset. Ain't that right, AJ? Boom, boom, like dump truck. What's that, pal? What is that from? I don't know. Oh yeah, you tell me. All right, we'll move on. Orlando Brown Jr. Formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, where he was a right tackle. Then he was a left tackle because left tackle got injured. Then, just like his dad said, hey, our family's legacy is a left tackle, and it's because that is what I was destined to do. That's what I'm built to do. That's what I'm here to do. And that's the motherfucker that gets paid, too. And the Chiefs said, you're right. Did you see our Super Bowl? We need an offensive line. Bring him in. His contract was up. Uh, Robert Griffin III, RG3, uh, was initially reporting that Orlando Brown Jr. is reporting to Colts camp today on the franchise tag. Sources close to Brown say he's in the best shape of his life and knows how important the first five days of pads are for him. The team and head coach Andy Reid, uh, Mahomes gets his left tackle back. So the first five days of pads, look for some highlights from left tackle for the fucking Chiefs mm-hmm. to do some damage, especially because he's on a get-your-bag-year mm-hmm. franchise tag. There was a follow-up from Robert Griffin III that he turned down a six-year, $144 million contract with $30 million in signing bonuses. Uh, allegedly, a lack of security with no guaranteed money after the first two years derailed that contract being signed by Mr. Orlando Brown Jr. So he 
here we go. Franchise tag year, left tackle. And with the importance of quarterbacks mm-hmm. going up and the importance of wide receivers going up and the way the game is going, the left tackle position's value will only continue to increase. And that motherfucker's very good. Mm-hmm. And he knows it, and the Chiefs know it. Let's hope they uh, are able to get a deal long-term if you're Patrick Mahomes. If not, that market is going to be large for Mr. Orlando Brown Jr. next offseason. Yeah, I would say and it's it's funny seeing him wear number fifty seven too. Like that's not a normal tackle number. And also, is is RG three just a, a newsbreaker? Like, is he going to be doing this consistently? I hope so. It's good for sports media if he's doing it. He did say, according to my sources, he said yeah. uh, he didn't do the source. So I don't know who exactly he was talking to, but if RG3 is going to become an insider, I'm with it, and I appreciate it. And I bet you the Chiefs are happy to read the message that he will play on the franchise tag because there for a bit we were thinking he was going to hold out the entire fucking year, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 144 mil over seven. That's a long long contract. Yeah, the only guarantees in the first two years is that just like the voided years but not added on in the end. We have some breaking news. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. We do not know if an addendum was put in the contract for this or not. Oh, jeez. Kyler Murray has tested positive for COVID. We'll miss the next five days of training camp. What? No. Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray oh. has tested positive for COVID-19 and missed the next five days per the team. His symptoms are minor. So, follow-up questions will be how do they know he got COVID then if the symptoms are minor. Sounds like he self reported, didn't want to practice. What's your problem, Tony? Sir? Allegedly, I said. What? No, you, no, you, you said it not. sounds like. Whoa, yeah. was there You're a, a terrible guy. In my head, I said, allegedly, he's been watching too much film and his. And his There's been a lot of system, in the head conversations that don't happen around His immune here. system is just so depleted because he's been staying up and watching too much film. That's the issue. He's not getting enough sleep. He's been studying too much. He's getting tired. COVID snuck in 2.33 a.m. Right into that theater. If he wasn't in his own theater watching film, that fucking son of a bitch COVID wouldn't have gone in there. And here we are now. Five days without Kyler Murray. Arizona Cardinals don't have D-Hop for six weeks. He's in training camp. Now they don't have Kyler for the next five days because old fucking COVID tried to rear its head right back into the film room that Kyler lives inside of. Is there a new game coming out this week? Can we check on the release dates on games that come out oh, this no. week? Is it Matt? Does Madden... 2023 come out this week or not? Zito, what were you going to say? Uh, do we think uh, Arizona coaching staff put COVID on the film to see if you actually watched it? Smart. Oh, actually. so this is like putting something on at the last page yeah. of a playbook. Marcus. Maybe. Maybe they gave him a playbook and said, listen, you don't want to watch film. You want to do it the old school way and take notes? Here you go. And then you open it all the way up. Last page. <laughs> Maybe. So maybe this was maybe this is good news for the Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals like I, listen, if you read this and pass this test over the next week or so, we will take the addendum above the film study out. And the test was: Will he get COVID from the last page of the book having COVID on it? Maybe. Are we testing for it still? If he had no. minor symptoms, I guess. Y- yeah, you can take tests, but. I mean, obviously, but I got, they're not testing for it. I got food poisoning in one training camp, or mm-hmm. flu. I forget what it was. It was one of the other Like flu. Hasselback? No, he got E. E. coli. That was the Chipotle. He, yeah, he you got said, E. coli in the middle. He were you about to say Ebola? <laughs> Potentially. I mean, pretty similar there. Yeah, yeah. But he got E. coli. I, I was like, uh, I puked. It might have been flu. I don't remember what it was. I puked and I called the trainer or whatever. And I was like, man, I don't know what just happened. I just puked or whatever. Like, all right, cool. Yeah. 
You stay in that room for the next 24, 48 hours. We're talking, don't even open that fucking, all right? We don't need yeah. anybody else getting sick. Just lock yourself in there. Is that what they're thinking for COVID? Because I don't think this COVID's stopping. I think if you test with people right now, they probably have COVID, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. Who's, I mean, the president. Exactly. Right? Yeah. He, yeah. he just had it a week ago, yeah. tested negative, mm-hmm. and then he got it again, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joseph has had it twice in the last. Yeah, like, a, what do they call it? Whiplash or whatever it was to whatever medication that where it pops back up positive. Whiplash. Pops they back. call it something. My mom, was t- something. my mom was telling me about that. Apparently, there's a medication now that gets rid of the symptoms pretty quick, but there is a chance that after that it will come back. What? Okay, so it sounds like we know we got it all figured out. So that, that feels pretty good. We got it all yeah. figured out. If it's, we hope he survives, Kyler. By the way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. But the reason why you would have to miss five days is because they'd be scared that he would spread it amongst his mm-hmm. teammates. Mm-hmm. Does he have to test negative like a certain amount of time before he comes back, or how is it? And if they're not testing throughout the season, how do we know if the teammates already got it or don't got it? And can you get even immune to it now that we know that you know the president has gotten it within two weeks? Is there even an immunity yeah. to it? So what are we even doing? Definitely not the immunity to it. Once yeah. again, I would like anybody that knows more than we do to please let us know if yes. we need to take this a lot more serious. Yeah. You saw us put our guardian caps on the helmets, okay? Science told us, Dr. Alan Sills yeah. came in and told us science works. So we put it on there. If you could, if somebody can relay us the COVID information that we need to know and make us better, we will talk okay. about it. Yeah. And this does help. You're safer. Absolutely. It's a lot of good concrete no evidence. I'm sure you'll get. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Both this. Sides. It doesn't feel like there isn't emotional opinions. Right <laughs> no, now. not at all. At all times. No, it's just unbiased. This is the facts. I've seen a crew of like four or five people down in Tennessee rocking double masks. Oh, really? Yeah. In the stadium? Yeah, Always. working. Did Kid Rock see him? I sure hope not. Oh. I, don't know. I don't know if Kid Rock saw him or not. I hope not. <laughs> Kid Rock. Me having a moment with Kid Rock pointing at me going, yeah. I was like, fucking Kid Rock. Yeah, that's awesome. Holy shit. We told you. We knew he'd be there. He wanted you to pull him up and drink beers with him in the ring. Hey, did you see me chuck that one beer? Pretty warm. Yeah. Hope that wasn't piss. Honestly, There's I didn't no think about that. Yeah, no chance. That guy was a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. guy. Good guy. Is Definitely. Kid Rack uh, starting any chance or no? Kid Rack? Kid Rack, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no chance. Sorry, this bubble hat is just kind of... Too smart. Is, yeah, Too it's safe. compressing me. Yeah. Go ahead, Tone. Uh, Pelicero just tweeted out, while camps opened with no COVID protocols, the NFL formed teams in June that anyone who tests positive still must isolate for at least five days consistent with CDC guidelines. What? What? <laughs> I guess if you test positive, CDC saying CDC saying isolate for five days. So if you don't get tested, though, yeah, then you're good. Yeah, I'm so confused by it all. Doesn't make sense because they're keeping them away because they think it's still a threat, right? Yeah. So is why does it say the only transactionally? It's like treat like any other illness. It ain't. Why does it say sorry? (laughs) Jesus, yeah, Uh, exactly. I know the signs. Well, the only reason it's over hockey helmet because my jaw still hurts from putting this fucking thing on. From being too safe. Yes, exactly. From being too safe. And I'm still being very safe. Absolutely. All right. I hope nobody gets COVID ever again. Right. Me too. I I fear that's never going to happen. With that being said, since you said that, 200 people have been tested positive with COVID. Man. In those five seconds. I hope Kyler doesn't get Wally Pitt by Colt McCoy. I hope Kyler survives. What's your problem? It's possible. Colt goes out there fucking hotter than a pistol. Think about his iPad, too. <laughs> yeah. He's watching all the films. This guy's oh, watched yeah. fucking 14 hours of film this week. 
<laughs> They're lucky Strafolsky's not on the team. So. Sure. Where's he at? Back up in Canada? No, no. he was uh, four-string. He was running sprints the other day. Where was we Tennessee? Te- mm. He's down in Nashville. It's hot down there if he's running. He's got- Where is Strafolsky? <laughs> I would let you know, Nashville, Tennessee, thick air. Oh, it no, is- it was the Jets. He's on the Jets. The Jets. And Connor was pissed. He- oh, fuck, they got yeah. another one. Seriously. Hey, Mike White last year was almost the guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I'll believe it when I see it with the Jets. But there's a chance. I mean, Zach Wilson's plugging moms. Sweet. All right. <laughs> That's the show. We'll be out of here. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Feels like football is here, isn't it? Yeah. It does. Oh, no, it is. Full pads, I mean, baby. Hall of Fame game is this Thursday. High school's opened up, didn't they? Yeah, kids are back to school. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I thought about this yesterday. And I completely forgot. I was going to open the show with a full. Oh, we can still do it now, I guess. We can wrap up the show with it. This morning, kids lined up at bus stops. Mm. Got back on the big yellow things and run into school. I don't think school's starting really, though. Sorry to cut you off. Maybe not in stupid Ohio because you guys don't believe in education. <laughs> I'm sure Indy. I'm sure Indy started today. Yeah, they did. A lot of states did. Kids are going back to school. They're riding their school buses. Get back in there. That means that lights going to go on stadiums around the country on Friday nights just around the corner. That's Hell right. Yeah. It means Colts are going to fall in to stadiums on Saturdays, get incredibly intoxicated, and yell like hell for their alma maters. Hell yeah. It means NFL football is right around the corner. Hell yeah. Today's a great day. Those kids go to school. They ain't going to learn shit. Woo! But what we learn is that we're one step closer to NFL football, being every day, being all a part of our lives. And I can't wait for that to take place. And that starts Thursday with Hall of Fame game when guys who are probably selling insurance and working at McDonald's and stuff will don NFL jerseys and play against other guys in the similar positions as them and wearing NFL jerseys in this Hall of Fame class, star-studded. Blockbuster. The NFL's back, AJ, and I can't thank you enough for joining us on this Monday. Tony did great. Talks the table, fantastic. The boys behind the glass, you're the best. And uh, let's enjoy the hell out of the time that we're here alive. Yeah! See you all tomorrow. Goodbye.